This week on Invasion, the podcast, we continue our year of the sequel via a special trip back through Canon Films and head to Ninja Beach. I mean, American Ninja 2, The Confrontation. Two kids looking for a new thrill. Steve. He is the most feared and powerful warrior. And Paul. A strong-willed woman who knows what she wants and just how to get it. But this time, the thrill went too far. Their target, Canon Films. The home of high-powered, high-voltage motion picture entertainment. With the screen's biggest spectacles brightest stars, and boldest lineup of explosive entertainment. We're taking motion picture excitement over the edge, and your box office over the top. We're Canon Films, and we're Dynamite. I could have used the year of the sequel intro, but come on. I needed to hear about Steve being this powerful warrior as we talk about some canon films. Honestly, that is my favorite of all of our intros, so I'm okay with you using it. Uh, but it, it did throw me at first because I was like, wait, uh, that's the wrong intro. And then I'm like, ask her it. <laughs> but technically, it's still tech. It's still right. It's a canon film. All right. It's a canon. It's a, yeah, because we did that for a year of canon, and we're doing the year of the sequel. So why not, right? So, um, so we're going to be talking about... Um, uh, American Ninja 2, The Confrontation, which the more I think about it, that is the, the worst name for a sequel. Like, American Ninja 2, they fight stuff. Like, what? That's a dumb name. It's a dumb name for a sequel. However... Well, it turns yeah. out there were no uh, confrontations in the first one. It's true. It was actually just a series of negotiations and peaceful agreements is what happened there. So, uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be talking about that. Um, if, if people have not um, seen... Uh, the first American Ninja, and I highly recommend it. Um, we did do a blog post about it on Invasion of the Podcast. Go check it out. There's some wonderful gifts there of some ninja training exercises and also um, ninjas using such uh, ninja abilities as lasers and um, was it a uh, rocket pack, I think? There were some weird ninja weapons that I've never seen used by ninjas before in that film. Well, also, you know, he, he had to improvise, so he's using, like, tire irons and shit. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, he whipped that tire at that guy at the beginning and just, like, just knocked it down. That was amazing. So, so yeah, we'll be getting into some of that. Uh, but, yeah, check out the, the blog post. That was a lot of fun watching that film. And, and these films are, are readily available to watch, too. So I don't want people to feel like they can't approach this because uh, this is going to be fun. However, you know, it would not be an episode of the Invasion of the Podcast without, without us talking a little bit about our weekend before we get into the film proper here. Um, I do want to say that Steve, um, Steve has been, has been cheating again, um, which we talked about previously. <laughs> so, so talk about that a little bit, please. Yeah. So, uh, this past weekend I was on, uh, at the devil's ball again and, uh, um, Samuel you've, and, you've uh, replaced, you've replaced Samuel Numine as a host. It's just you and Nathaniel <laughs> now, right? So, so then Samuel will come on my show on our show, like my show, this show, and we'll just talk about Death Wish films from now on. You That's what's going to happen. What would be funny is if we did like a, a trade-off show. Uh, like a wife swap? Yeah, I think that'd be funny. 
where like <laughs> either you recorded with Nathaniel or Samael and uh, I recorded with one of them instead. Yeah. That would be really funny. I still think, um, I think it'd be even funnier if um, we could somehow convince them for them to do our format and we could do their format and then, <laughs> but then challenge them, challenge them to do a three hour show. <laughs> <laughs> and then they would have to challenge us to not. Yeah, I know, I know. I'll be like, hey guys, you got to do 45 minutes a week and talk. You got to do 35 minutes of news. Like, like you got to make a game that may or may not be good or the same thing over and over again. Come on, you know, step it up. We would have to like make it a uh, year of the sequel uh, type uh, of episode for them. Although they did, uh, Samuel did put a game together for this episode. So. Oh, nice. I have not had a chance to listen to it because it just dropped today. So yeah, I, that, it just dropped I, today. Yeah. And, uh, we're talking Halloween six, both the theatrical and the producer's cut. Um, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I think it ends there, uh, halfway to, or no, uh, Halloween was their, uh, theme for May. It's weird. They, didn't, they didn't cover, uh, H2O or resurrection. They didn't cover those. That's, I don't I'm know. I'm assuming what? they're saving those for <laughs> next Halloween. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, or I that's mean, maybe the series just ends. No problem, so, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I still need, like, I think we talked about this previously. Like I need to watch six again, uh, just because I, 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 I need to watch like five just to have it fresh in my mind, not because of any intrinsic reason. And I need to see six again. Well, isn't that the one where they're the little girls like it's raining and it's just blood dripping from a tree. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Why do I, I just um, remember that in Paul Rudd. That's all I remember about that. Oh, and, and Thorn. I remember the, the symbol of Thorn. Yeah. The mark of Thorn or the curse of Thorn, however you want to phrase it. But yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny cause I brought up the raining red scene on the episode and, uh, also, uh, in, in talking about, uh, the movie itself, um, you know, they were both, uh, um, they try to do a constructive podcast. They try to, even if it's something that they don't enjoy, they try to find constructive criticism as opposed to just tearing it down. And, uh, I, I saved it for off air, but I told them that I did listen to their episode on, um, part five, which is my least favorite of the series. And they actually got me to think about something in a way that I'd never had before in relation to how a character dies. Okay. Um, I'm like, it doesn't like change my feelings on the movie, but I'm like, I give you guys credit. Cause you guys were able to get me to think about something that I was dead set on, you know, with this movie in a different light. So, um, yeah, you guys, if you're not listening to, the, to at the devil's ball and you're a, you're a horror fan, I'd highly recommend it. Um, they come at horror in a, a way that's, I think different than a lot of podcasts. They're not like eager to shit on anything. They're, they're they want to talk about what works, what, what, what doesn't. Yeah. They're, they're not hacks like us. I get it. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. No, no. I'm just saying that, you know, when it comes to horror podcasts, I think there are a lot of people who are out there who just are eager to hate, watch everything. Oh, for and, sure. Yeah. Like, no, you're right. And I think we've talked about that previously. And I do find it funny that I've been on their show for sleepwalkers and maximum overdrive. Neither one of those <laughs> are good movies. Um, we had fun talks, uh, and there could be some joy having in that conversation. Um, and I do struggle sometimes with trying to, to not be that guy I was in my 20s where it's like to show your superiority, you're going to just rip something apart film-wise. You know? Like, I, I've really come around to just trying to appreciate something for the sake of it. And yeah. I, it, it, it you know, it, I get challenged sometimes. We all do. As much as we all want to be on the, like, take the high road, there's just some things that do just kind of hit you the wrong way. And you're like, I'm done with this. We're out. But... In terms of a podcast, you're right. Like it's, 
it's easier to just be a demolition squad as opposed to finding, you know, finding the, the good in something. So credit to them. I know that's the, been their goal. Yeah. So uh, I think the episode, like you said, uh, got posted today. Uh, you guys check out At the Devil's Ball if you want to hear my thoughts and their thoughts on Halloween 6, The Curse of Miguel Myers. Miguel sorry, Myers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so this just, and there's some breaking news. I got to give, I got to hear some breaking news for you, Steve. everyone my psycho gourmet hunky boy shirt just came in i got texted by my wife so <laughs> i'm very excited nice. about this uh as we've talked about psycho gourmet it's one of my favorite films i've seen this year bought the special edition DV- blu-ray from canada and now i have my hunky boy shirt which is just it's just it's a ridiculous design it has psycho gourmet wearing sunglasses and it says hunky boys on it so there we go that's exciting i'm excited for the shirt i'm way too excited for the shirt I think that uh, Psycho Gorman, because it just premiered on Shudder uh, last week, so I, I have a feeling that that movie's only going to grow in popularity. It, it should, right? Like um, like a, a friend of the show, uh, Jeff, who does the Skewered Universe podcast, he w- was over the moon about watching it this weekend. Like He was like uh, posting on Facebook about it. And it's like He's like, this film is brilliant. I'm like, thank you. Please, please come to the Psycho Gorman, which I know that I was late to that whole collective of guys too, right? But... Anyway, I got a hunky boy shirt, so that's breaking news. So I'm excited for that. So you run out the Devil's Ball um, with some hunky boys mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so like I, I declared on Facebook, it's going to be a hunky boy summer, and then Sam Miles like, why can't it be a husky boy summer? I'm like, it could be two things. It can be two things. Because uh, every year I've been alive has been a husky year summer for yeah, God's husky. sake. What kind of bullshit terms? Like, what are you, husky? Like what? Are you, like what? Like there's going to be eight of us pulling a sled and then just like you know out of exhaustion. What? Are, anyway, um, I I remember my mom still used that term. Like even when, like it's code for fat people. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. Like just but like, like I remember like shopping with my mom like at some point in high school. And we were in like a like a I don't know Bugle Boy outlet or something. Like I was trying on jeans or whatever, and like she's talking to the lady, and I'm trying to be Mister Cool, you know, high school kid or whatever. She's like, "Do you have anything for Husky Boys?" I'm like, "Mom, I'm a man, fifteen. <laughs> I'm 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 stout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm barrel chested or whatever it is. Like you know whatever whatever else they would say, right? Like or like you know a big bone, a mom. Big bone, yeah. You know, soft like, baby fat. It's gonna come off when I'm yeah. like forty seven. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so I, this this weekend, uh, and I, sorry, you were on the show. Is there anything else that you watched? Because um, I'll talk about some of my adventures briefly. And some I, of the things I, I watched. That my weekends are just becoming Joe Bob review shows, but nice. uh, I actually had a, a very similar to pre um, being uh, immunized uh, weekend. I actually didn't leave the house at all this weekend. Hey, so. Good on you. You now that you can actively make the choice, you can appreciate it more, right? Yeah, my wife went to her parents for a little while on Sunday, but I was just like, I don't need to go anywhere this weekend. I'm good. It's been it's been like, I don't know, a month since I've had my shots, and I'm like, yeah, I'm good now. He's like, I went out once. I'm good for the year, like which is what I'd normally be anyway. Yeah. So Yeah, uh, I am yeah. I am stoked this Thursday. We've got tickets for our first in theater experience. Nice. So yeah, this Thursday we're going to see a quiet place too. So I'll tell you guys how that turns out uh, next week. Yeah, you know, um, I still need to watch the first one. 
I ended up uh, missing in the theater, buying the Blu-ray. We have it. It's been not opened. Um, I'll, I'll say this. It was one of those rare movies where people had to pay attention and it was so quiet in the theater that like it would be really obvious if you're being an asshole. Yeah. So like people were really into it. And so it was a good experience in the theater. And I'm hoping the same happens for the second. I, one. I, I, I hope so as well. I, did you see that? Uh, John Krasinski showed up in Cleveland the other night. Um, for a no, showing. I didn't. Yeah. He ended up at Valley view, um, for like a Thursday showing this past weekend or sorry, a Saturday showing something like it was over the weekend. He just showed up unannounced and, um, I was reading some of the stuff and like people were like excited, but he ended up like trying to like photobomb some like pictures there. And like, there was like two people that didn't know who he was, which I think is hilarious. That's hilarious. But he yeah. showed up and did like a Q and a and talked to people. And that's like, that's awesome. You know, but he, yeah, he showed up at Valley view. Um, during oh, a showing man. of that. Yeah. I would love to have met John Krasinski. And I do wonder like how many people call him Jim. Like, I'm sure it's a testament to like what a great actor he is and how much he was probably beloved on the office. But I guarantee he gets Jim all the time. Like, just what would have been like that, or like, hey, almost Captain America. Like, what do you think would he prefer to hear? Um, <laughs> I don't know. He may be Mister Fantastic in the future, yeah. so he won't have that in his back. Like, I, I would like to have been like, you know what? Like, you know, I, for one, it would have been funny to to meet him and be like, hey, can I get a quick video of you telling everybody that Parks and Rec is better, just so I can have everybody like be upset that Jim <laughs> said that? Like, I think that'd be funny because I, you know, there's like people. There's that weird fight where everyone's like, the, the office is so good. I'm like, yeah, it's great. But did you want to show that it actually makes you feel good? That's funny. How about, how about some parks and rec? Um, how about, you know, some Brooklyn nine, nine, how about the good place? All the other Michael Shear stuff anyway. Um, but I also would have been like, you know, like I would have been great to just bring up like something really random, but like you and my Rudolph and away we go was really affecting just to see how he'd react to something like that versus like the office. I well, think it'd I guarantee be way better. you that no one brings up Away We Go. I, I rented that movie. And actually, I think they are really good in that movie. It's just unfortunate that it just kind of plods along, unfortunately. But it, yeah. It, and it makes I, you just want to cry your eyes out. And it's like, but this is supposed to be a comedy. Like, right. I own it. But it's like, it's what, like, the, to go back to something we were talking about before we start recording, um, like, there's certain movies that I feel like I watched once that I could, like, I'm good. I just, I ended up owning it because working on Blockbuster, I was able to grab it for, like, super cheap because I liked it. I don't mm -hmm. know if I'm going to revisit it. And it's not, it's not the same like emotional devastation as other films that you only want to watch once, but right. I liked it a lot, but I'm like, do like, do I need to watch it again? <laughs> like, <laughs> but well, I think it's it'd be like, great. I, to, to, I own yeah. garden state and I don't know that I've watched it in like 15 years. I love Zach Braff. I, I thought garden state when it came out was amazing, but I haven't revisited it even but though have, I bought it on. But TV. have you listened to the shins? They'll, they'll change your life, Steve. <laughs> I only have the one shit song and it plays in repeat repeat in the background. I just that's that's the isn't that the one that has the iron and wine cover of such great heights? Isn't that the one in that film? And then that was the post office that did the original song. Anyway, that neither it's neither here nor there. Um but Steve, you see the movie once, that. you would know, right? You would know that. You would know exactly that oddly specific song cue in that movie. Um but anyway, yeah, uh, Jim from the office was at Valley View and you know, for a quiet place. So I'm glad that you guys are gonna go. Um that's exciting. Yeah. We got tickets for Thursday night, so I'm Good. looking forward to it. Good. I um, actually looked this weekend. I'm like, I could go to the movies. And I looked at what was out. I'm like, I have no interest. <laughs> like It was one of those things where, because I've not seen the first Quiet Place, so I feel, feel weird going to see the sequel. I've already seen Nobody, which I don't know if I talked about this on the show or not, but that movie's great. Um, and it's like the rest of it, I just like... The, the movies the movies are going to come back right there's going to be enough eventually but right now it's really like slim pickings about where what what to watch 
We're um, two months away from Black Widow coming out. Yes. Like that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. There's there's no way we're not back to like uh, full capacity theaters by then. That that's fair. So so okay. Um, anything else for your weekend or no? No, no, that's it. I mean, that's more of weekends that are coming up. Well, that's but, fair. Uh, yeah, I I will say that. Uh, you know, I posted on Facebook a little bit about why I enjoy Joe Bob so much. And we've talked about this, you know, before, but I just like the fact that even though it's a movie that I, I know that I'd seen, it, it takes me back to the days of watching movies on either USA Up All Night or uh, Big Chuck and Little John if you're from the Cleveland area, you know, never knowing what you're going to get when you tuned in. I kind of like that feeling uh, with Joe Bob. And he had Bruce Campbell on for the first movie, which was Maniac Cop, and then Bill Lustig, who's the director on for Maniac Cop 2, uh, which I did not make it all the way through because, again, <laughs> it's Friday night. I worked all day, and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't make it through. i got to go to bed now. I'm an old man. But, um, yeah, I, I just uh, – I, I look forward to it. It's my Friday night thing now, and I'm nice. so glad for it. I, I I know I talk about it all the time, but it's it's really been a thing that I get to look forward to every week, and I don't have to leave the house for it, so it's even better. Even better, yeah. So uh, for my weekend, um, I aside from actually like going out on Saturday and doing all the things, it was weird because I ran a bunch of errands, and then by the time I got home, I'm like, wow. I was like, I don't want to leave my house now. It's like, is this what weekends used to be? Like it was like I was like all over the place. I'm like, it's five o'clock now, and I haven't even I haven't even done one like uh, one bit of debauchery today. Like what is going on here? It was weird. Um, but yeah, I hit the comic book shop. Went to to Carol and John's here in Cleveland. Supported them. Uh, bought a Dark Hawk issue. I was telling Steve about before we start recording, so I was excited about that. Bought a trade paperback, so that was fun to go there. Like I went there twice during like before I got vaccinated, and I had no issues going in there. I knew that was like they they're on top of their shit, but they're like now that I'm like completely inoculated, as much as like I can go back to just being annoyed of people being in my personal space as opposed to me thinking they're bringing the plague to my doorstep. Not that not that Carol and John's had like that going on. It wasn't the supermarket anymore. People are just idiots, and I'm like, well, that's just people as opposed to they might kill me. So it's a different level of annoyance now. But I felt like I could go out and actually do things, so that was nice. So I did that, um, and then um, I started watching uh, Love, Death, and Robots, which we're going to be talking about that next week. Season two just came out, and I'm about three-quarters of the way through the Hulu series MODOK. That's the Patton Oswalt stop-motion chick, like robot chicken-looking series with him as MODOK. Did and they put up the entire season at yes, once? all ten episodes are up. Oh, so I saw that you posted about it, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool. I'll check out the first episode sometime this week. And I haven't gotten around it uh, to check it out, but I, I didn't realize that they were doing the, like, we're going to drop the entire season on you, which I know, you know, there are conversations that can be had in, in favor of both, whether it be the staggered release or everything being dropped at once. But, like, it feels like a burden anymore where it's like, oh, here's all 10 episodes. You can watch them now. And it's like, uh, I know that I can stagger them at my own pace, but, like, I don't know. I kind of look forward to having them every week. That's um, fair. And I think for a lot of series, like uh, like a lot of the prestige stuff, I want that to kind of give me time to digest. Something like this, which I've enjoyed. Um, there's been some good laugh out loud moments, so there's some good comedy here. Not that I'm saying it's like it's a slog to watch because it is not, because Patton Oswald is a godsend. Oops, I said an F word there, so I'm going to um, bleep that out later. Talking about Patton Oswald. 
he is great. I love him. Um, and his big floating head. It was enough for me to drop an F-bomb right there, so I apologize for that. Um, he's great. Um, oh, what's her name? Oh, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, uh, Amy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's in this as well. Ben Schwartz is in it. Um, there's there. It's a good voice cast. Um, and it's funny. There's some good jokes in there. Legitimately, there's some good deep dive Marvel stuff in there. Like, like uh, Fing Fang Foom is like shown. Like, how do you... like? You just show this big green dragon without without context. It's amazing, and he has a, he has a restaurant called uh, Fing Fang uh, Farm to Table. Like it's great. I love Pat Oswalt, so I'll, I will watch anything. Well, e- that's not- even if I dropped an f bomb, are you are you still on board? Because well, I, I would say that uh, he was on King of Queens, and I, I as much as I loved both uh, Jerry. St- Stiller and Pat Oswalt. I, I I did not tune in for that show. See, I liked um, I, King, King of Queens was like the one. So CBS has that uh, pattern of uh, fat comedian, hot wife sitcom thing that went on for a while there. Like I'm not wrong, and I'm not a big Kevin James fan, but I liked King of Queens because of Jerry Stiller and uh, Leah Remy, and like uh, you know Kevin James can be funny with the right people around him. And also that show would go some terrible places. Like he, he got his wife, uh, was it laser eye surgery, but he used a coupon at a place called like vision Vista. And then she couldn't see for a week. And he's like, but I, she's like, you used a coupon. Like, that's pretty funny to me. Yeah, no, and it, it's, I don't mean to disparage the good name of Kevin James, no, but whatever. I, I just, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the just, biggest fan of him. I thought that show was actually not bad. Yeah, I just for whatever reason I was like, well, I can if I want to watch Jerry Stiller, I'll just watch episode of Seinfeld that I've seen you know eight hundred times. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Pat Oswalt, he's one of the few comedians that I would. I, I I don't go out to comedy shows that often, but if he comes around Cleveland again, I I want to get tickets. I, yeah. I I want to see him in person, um, and of course he's a. Uh, you know, uh, son of TV's Frank on Mr. Science Theater 3000. There we go. So. Yeah. So Modoc's a lot of fun. Um, there's, uh, th- there's some sudden and vicious violence that happens as well. I mean, you're dealing with aim, right? So you, you still get all like the weird technology. It's like, there's some Rick and Morty like elements to it of like, you know, mad scientist stuff going on, but it's a lot of fun. Like some three episodes from finishing it. Um, and how it kind of is like, I mean, it's in the Marvel universe. There's not a lot of like a listers that show up, but that's kind of the point. Um, Iron Man shows up a little bit voiced by John Hamm, which I think is great casting. Uh, there is another hero that shows up later that I'm not going to spoil And the voice actor playing him also was a delight. Um, and the way they, they, they paint him was really funny. So, um, 24 minutes an episode. It's a breezy watch. Um, yeah. Like if you like robot chicken and how, how weird that gets sometimes, I think you guys would dig Modoc. So they're, they're like, they're in the Marvel comic universe, but they're not, they're not connected to the uh, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Correct? I don't think so because there's a right? bit where they do a flashback where um, they they get a new hire into AIM and and Modok is like talking about how he wants to go attack the Avengers and like he you know comes up with something and then all of a sudden it flashes back to like this new hire killing like an Avenger but like mm. it's just a skull covered in like red material like you can't tell and Modok comes in he's like oh you. It's your first day. You killed, you killed an Avenger on your first day. It's like, and that's, that's a major one. Like 
you know, people know who this is. And it was like, and if this was part of like a film franchise, that'd be problematic. Like the way they kind of dance around, like you, it's, it doesn't, you, it doesn't matter. Like, but someone like this person killed an Avenger. We don't know who it was. And the way they kind of just like shuffled off, like, well, oh, we all know who this is, but my God, if that was part of a movie, people would be upset about it. And they never identify the Avenger that was killed. And I thought that was yeah. funny. I do think that, and I could be wrong on this, so don't quote me. Um, but uh, it, it is being recorded for posterity. So yeah. if I'm wrong, people uh, don't Melissa come at Fumero, me. I think is her name, the Amy from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Anyway, yeah, she's in that. Sorry, and Wenda, Wendy Wendy uh, Clinton McCovey from uh, um, Rio Nine One One and um, the Goldbergs is in it as well. Sorry, but you're about to make a statement. They're both great. I was going to make a statement. Sorry. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say, I feel like there was a whole slate of series that were going to debut on Hulu before the merger happened or before Disney plus. I don't remember specifically, but like there was supposed to be a Howard, the duck show. Mm -hmm. I believe that was going to be written by Kevin Smith and his team. And I feel like there were two others. And I think Modoc is the only surviving. I think, I, uh, the point that I'm making is, is I think that seeing Marvel shows popping up on either ancillaries, because I do believe they have a piece of, they do have a partial uh, ownership of Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's part of it. Um, but I, I do wonder how many more of these types of things we're going to get before, uh, it's all just Disney plus content. Well, I think that they're going to use Hulu as more of their, like, um, but what, what, what was Disney doing? And like when they had their different movie studios, it was, um, well, there was touchstone touchstone, right? That was more of like, still a thing. yeah, like they had their more grown up stuff they'd release. I think, I think they're going to use Hulu as more of their like PG 13 and up content release portion. Mm -hmm. Cause I know you're right. There's Howard the duck. There was a dazzler series. I think that was supposed to be in production and then one other, and they were supposed to cross over into something called like what the, like the deplorables or something. That was the plan. Right. Um, but yeah, I, this might be the only one that makes it, but so far it's, it's, it, I like it and I hope it gets more because Patton Oswalt is great and, uh, it's just really funny how goofy it gets. I can, I can see that. And I look forward to binging it now all this weekend, all in once one mighty yeah, gulp. Right. So the other thing I just want to mention, I've been playing that, uh, that ghost Shima game I mentioned last time. I just want to mention, cause there's a bit, I, I, I raided a Mongol, uh, encampment and I was done and the game was, um, waiting between like an you know, updating like so it's like a load screen kind of thing but it's like my character just sitting there drinking some sake and my horse is like drinking from like a, a stream nearby but uh one of the guys i killed was like lying face down the stream and my horse was like a foot away from it and i'm like like horse what are you drinking like i was confused by that so i was like that's not clean water that's just full of mongol blood and you're just drinking it so i questioned my horse now while playing the game that's good. I, I don't know much about horses, but questioning their dietary habits is probably the best thing. I just, you know, video like, game. he's a I good mean, horse, but he might be just drinking blood. I don't know at that point, but it was just because, you know, it did, the, the, the body probably wouldn't be there like, you know, nine times out of 10, but it was like definitely like, oh yeah, that horse is drinking right by that dead body. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? I mean, I mean, that's where we're at now as, you know, <laughs> far as video games go, it used to be. Pac-Man uh, eating, you know, power pellets and uh, uh, monkeys throwing uh, barrels at you. And now you can watch a horse drink blood from a stream. That's how far we've come. <laughs> well, just because like the like 
these like little kind of like it's it's the way that the game um it hides the load times so it'll show like um like a brief moment of like solitude after you're done with something so it's like loading everything else in the background so you can't control anything so it's it's very cinematic but it takes all the assets that's in the game at that point and just kind of like you know does it so i don't think the developers ever intended for a dead body to be by the horse which i thought that was funny just the way it worked out um, but yeah, I'm still the worst samurai ever, uh, but I'm still plodding along. And now my horse, uh, has now tasted, uh, human blood and thirst for more. That's where I'm at with that game. That's, that sounds like every 12 year old's dream. <laughs> so yeah, that's it for our weekends. Um, we talked a lot. I got a hunky boy shirt. Uh, my horse drinks blood and, uh, you know, uh, Steve, uh, you, you watched some Joe Bob and, um, yeah. And you did a podcast without me. So that's, that's where we're at with all that. It was a fulfilling weekend. <laughs> all right. So yeah, there we go. Uh, that was our weekend talk. So let's just get into our discussion about American Ninja Two: the confrontation, but we got to hear this ultra serious trailer first. He has been taught the mystic arts of war. Sai! He has mastered a thousand years of secrets. He has learned the way of the ninja. Now, a soldier on a suicide mission. They have been sent to paradise. Excuse me, ma'am. Wow. To defeat a conspiracy that threatens the entire world. Who's the lion? He's a millionaire. He made his money on drugs. He's doing research. The super ninja. The ultimate fighting machine. Like a predatory tiger. You will feel no pain. Miracles. And no, no emotion but hate. It's ninja against ninja. Tommy, the tower! Together, they must destroy the most powerful criminal empire the world has ever known. He must defeat the most lethal assassin alive. And they must not fail. Michael Dudikoff returns as the American Ninja with Steve James in American Ninja 2, The Confrontation. I mean, was it a suicide mission? I, I just That never felt apparent to me at the beginning. So I have... Two things that I want to say about that trailer. A, I've not heard that trailer before. So, one, if that is not Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime, I'll eat my hat. (laughs) That is totally Optimus Prime doing the voiceover. And uh, B, uh, I don't remember them being in paradise. They're on an army base next to a beach. Like, that's about as close as... I mean, I guess. Well, uh, no, but like the, the the first half of the film, like the actual like they were they were shooting what South Africa, like a lot of that like scenery is gorgeous, right? And like it looks like a resort town. So and even With they the even say of apartheid, it's great. Well, fair enough. No, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's why um they were. Uh, there was supposed to be was the third one, uh, Blood Hunt, and uh, Dudikoff didn't come back because of that. So. Yeah. Like you're, you're absolutely right. I th- but I think that was shot like, 
like the where it was the location was really pretty and like the beaches and like i like i like how the idea of like them showing up as military men and they're like we're looking for marines they're like that's not us it's like we'll get in our party truck and we're gonna go look at the ladies because we we're marines and we don't wear marine clothes and we just party all the time because we're marines anyway i'm getting ahead of ourselves here but i think it was paradise i mean a certain kind of paradise for people that Okay, it was probably a white person's paradise. That's, you know, like, <laughs> let's be honest then. All right, well, that's fair then. I guess, uh, you know, I don't know if they ever specifically give us where we are geographically, so no. it may be fair. I just I just thought about that as I was listening to the trailer. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so. so, all right, um, let's, let's just set the stage a little bit. So when we, um, a couple of years ago, when we did our year of Canon, uh, which I, we had a lot of fun with, uh, it had some, it had some ups, had a lot of downs, but no matter what, it was always weird. Like Canon's always weird. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, we didn't, like I said, we didn't cover American Ninja on our show. However, we covered enter the Ninja. Um, so Canon of all the things they got wrong and how much they always kind of bet on themselves and it failed. Um, they kind of were in front of the ninja craze of the eighties. And I, we talked about that, I think a lot during our into, into the ninja episode. And so this was kind of like, this was their, their wheelhouse, right? So then they, um, they ended up making, um, after, after the, the, it was enter the ninja revenge of the ninja and ninja three, which was also directed by, uh, the guy who did this, which was a uh, firstberg. I think is his name, Simon firstberg. Yeah. He actually Same, first, he did first both number. Revenge the Ninja and uh, Ninja Three: The Domination. Which was, he didn't do Enter. Which but. I almost I almost um but no because um Menachem Golan did uh Enter the Ninja if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, I almost picked uh, Ninja Three to be our year of the sequel. But I'm like that's that doesn't really count because that movie has no connection to the other two movies. So like I felt like this one at least had a continuation with the same characters. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, but. So after that, they 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 made the the American Ninja franchise, which this was kind of like you know, hey, ninjas are popular, let's do our thing. And then they they had their in house, uh, their own like star with Michael Dudikoff, which if we did cover um, Electro Boogaloo, the the documentary about Canon Films, and mm-hmm. he was one of the one of the guys, right? Like that was one of their 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 in house guys. They didn't have many. Right. But right. he had, you know, this was like, this was supposed to be the franchise. Right. So with the first American Ninja did, did pretty well, all things considered. So, and Dudikoff has a look, um, doesn't have a voice, has a look. <laughs> so I'll, yeah, I'll say this about yeah. Michael Dudikoff. Like they were so big on him at one point. And again, let's just be clear. Canon films version of Spider-Man was not going to be Spider-Man, but he was going to be Spider-Man at one point. Like that, that's how big they were on him, and he thought it was really going to be like the stepping stone for his career. Just could you um, imagine him as Spider Man? They'll be like, "Hey, I'm Spider Man." Like, just, well, I, I I didn't think of him hey, as Spider Man, hey but looking at him visually, um, while I was watching the movie, I was like, I could see an era where he could be Captain America. Oh, and yeah. I, I'm not saying that based on like acting, but I do think that like. He's making choices with this character, whether you agree with those choices or not. Like, I think that his character in both films is very um, uh, quiet spoken. What's the word I'm looking for here? Soft spoken. Soft spoken. Thank you. Um, And only speaks when he needs to. Um, In this, it comes off more as like. 
I don't want to say that uh, in the first film it, it works more of like being the edgy rebel at the base kind of thing, and he only makes friends with who he needs to, and you know, there's his love interest that he really only ever really interacts with like in a real way. Um, and by his his love interest, I'm talking about Steve uh, James. Steve yes. James, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you thank know, you. He, he's making yeah. choices as an actor. Whether you can like point to it and be like, oh boy, he's really sort of, and I, I don't mean to use the term wooden, but like he's he's definitely soft spoken, and he doesn't speak unless he absolutely needs to. Um, I, I can honestly see like a world where in 1985 or 87, you know, whatever late 80s year you want to pick. And they're like, hey, we're going to do a Captain America movie. Michael Dudikoff's in the running. I could totally see that. Yeah, I could see that I mean, in terms of like if Canon was doing a Captain America film, I could see that without without a problem. Right. Um, and I, I don't dislike him in this film. Like, I, I think um, I think he's perfectly serviceable in both of them. And he has like he has a little bit of charm, like a little bit. But it's like I, I have a hard time not seeing Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia every time I see um, Michael Dudikoff on the screen. And I just kind of almost wish that I'd see a re, like a shot for shot remake of this film with Dennis from It's Always Sunny in the lead and uh, Will Ferrell as the um, main drug dealer. At the, the you know the one that's leading the ninja at the end that would have been amazing, um, but I'm pretty sure they have enough money to be able to do that. They <laughs> they could probably uh, do that uh, and put it out in, and maybe not on theaters, but uh, put it out uh, on pay per view. Yeah, I think Jesus, I think I, VOD. I think I think uh, Will Ferrell as uh, Leo the Lion Burke would be amazing. I feel like that would be great. Anyway, um, so. Um, so, so yeah, like, so we go from the first film where we, ha- he, you know, we have, um, what, what's his name? Um, it's Armstrong, right? That's the Joe name. Armstrong. Joe Armstrong, Joe Billy American Joe Armstrong man. of green day. <laughs> is the lead of this movie. <laughs> yes. Um, who we find out that like, you know, he had a troubled past and it was mysterious, but he was also like raised by, um, uh, like, you know, a, a, was it a Japanese soldier that was like stuck on this Island after world war two. And he learned the ways of the ninja and he became the American ninja. So with this one, he also along the way befriends Steve James, who's a guy who's trying to bust his chops throughout the first film, but can't beat him. So then Steve James is like, Oh, I guess we're best friends now. Like, <laughs> And I love, I love coming into this film that they're just cool with each other now. Like there's no, there's no rivalry. They're just dudes on a mission to, you know, kick ass and like, you know, uh, have fun kind of, but I like how Steve James is like, none of this seems right. Oh, there's ladies involved. Welcome to paradise. (laughs) I feel like Steve James, uh, his character in the first one, I think like once, he realizes that because the beginning of the film, let's go back to American Ninja. The beginning yes. of the film, there's a convoy that's being hijacked and Joe Armstrong basically fends off the entire like marauding band of Ninja. ninjas who show up as they do. As you do. Yeah. yeah as it happens. Yeah. <laughs> there was but a massive the- overpopulation of the ninja uh, crowd in the eighties and then through, through effective breeding and hunting, they've now been manageable, but there was an overpopulation of ninjas in the eighties. That's true. And he was new to the, the, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for here? The army, um, brigade is not the right word. The unit, right? Whatever the unit was. Yeah. 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 Um, so nobody knew who Joe was and they're pissed because some of their guys did get killed because they followed Joe's, you know, um, example of fighting out against the ninjas. 
um, and he survived. And so when Steve James shows up in the first one, he's like, you think you're, you know, a badass, like, let's see you take me on. And they end up having it at one point and then they kiss and make up. Um, I mean, honestly, that's really the only thing missing from that movie is, um, them just like holding each other tightly. But uh, no, there's just that bit though, where they have that big fight where, uh, he eventually calls him out. He's like, Hey, we're going to have this fight right now. And then at one point, uh, Dudikoff puts a bucket on his head yeah. and, and he still takes down Steve James. And then after he gets knocked down three times, he's like, huh, you know, we're cool. Like you just lost three times. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a fun scene in it's that great. first movie. Yes. And, um, Steve James and uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not betraying myself at all by saying this, but he's very much the heart of this movie. I think that he's the best part of this movie. Absolutely. Um, and he's one of the best parts of the first movie. But like once they get past that point in the first movie, I think he's sort of like, all right, this is my dude and I'm going to hang out with him and we're going to fight crime together or whatever. Like, I think they've they've reached that point by the the middle to the last quarter of the, the first movie that they're bros. Oh, for sure. And so I I know you wanted to talk about Steve James a little bit more um, before we start recording. And I think that's rightfully so because, and and spoilers, this film is, um, it's a lot of fun. This, this film tries to be serious, but then also it, I don't know, like it, it, like it knows exactly what it is the entire time. Like, and uh, there's no shying away from it, but it doesn't like, it doesn't devolve into like pure camp, but it gets Mm -hmm. close to that. You know what I mean? Like it just, I don't know how it walks that line between being like, we know we're being ridiculous to like, absolutely. Like I'm surprised that there wasn't like a ninja pie fight. Like that would have been like, you know, too much, but having, the sound of like uh bowling pins crash as Steve James like knocks out 10 guys at a bar when he lifts up and takes the entire bar with him when they're all piling on him and you hear the sounds of a, a strike being thrown. Like they know they're making a cartoon, but it doesn't, it doesn't like tip over completely ridiculous. I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to find the right words for this. Like it, it knows what it is, but it doesn't become like, um, we know we're stupid. Right. Yeah. They're, they're not, you know, doing it with a wink. I think that they're, they're playing it up for fun, but at the same time, uh, I look at Steve James character in this film very much. And I don't know that I feel the same way about the first one, but I feel like in this one, I feel like he's the Kano of this movie going back to mortal Kombat. Like, I'm so glad you brought this up. This is the better mortal Kombat film than the one we watched. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, because like, no, it's I, like I, it's a mysterious thing going on. The military gets involved. There's an island full of ninjas. There's like dump. It's like this is a better Mortal Kombat film. And Steve James should have been Jax. But I, I without metal arms, him. with just his arms, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like <laughs> he's the one who seems to be having the most fun in this movie. And like anytime he's on screen, you, you screen, you're immediately like attracted to him you want to follow him yes. almost to the point and i hate to say this because i actually really like michael dudikoff and i really do like the character of joe but i'm almost less interested in him at this point because i'm like can't we just stay with steve james and watch him beat dudes up and hit on chicks like i i don't mean to make it sound like that way but like he's he's got that like sort of classic 80s character who's like you know 
the bad guy at the bar who you know will take down the bad guy but also will steal your girlfriend well, he, it's time. like he feels like he's like on the outer edge of like the 70s like um like black exploitation like yeah. you know like and and i almost i always would have been better at the end of this movie and been like hey uh, you know, Joe, you're a ninja, but I'm the American ninja, you know, <laughs> like that would have been <laughs> amazing to me. Right. Like, but Steve James, like I was watching this, I watched this this morning actually. And it's and like, it, I don't know. Like, I think I've talked about this on the show previously. It's rare for me to be sitting by myself and like laugh out loud. Like mm-hmm. you're like, when you're watching something, you're enjoying it, but it sometimes it like, you know, like the idea of like laughing and interacting with things seems to be more of a social thing. So I can still be tickled by something, but like not like physically reacting to it. If I'm by myself, I don't, maybe, maybe I'm weird like that. No, I I agree with you. I think that there have been times where I've been watching something completely by myself where I'm like, Oh, it feels weird to be laughing by myself. Yeah. This one made me laugh a few times. There was definitely a couple points where I was clapping (laughs) watching this movie by myself. Like it was, it was like, it was like the bomb for what ailed me. I'm like, this film is amazing. And Steve James, there's bits in this um, that like you could tell that when the camera is running, he's like, he's like, come on, come on. Like he was like waving on people, just yelling and talking shit. It's like, you know, none of that was scripted and I love it. Oh, absolutely. And I think that uh, they may have hit upon something that was in the first movie and they're like, we're approaching a sequel. Let's make this you know, let's, we know what worked in the first movie and they actually talk about this. So there was a 15 minute documentary on the director, Sam Furstenberg's uh, channel. And I think it's just taken from one of the DVDs, but where he, he and Michael Dudikoff and some other people talk about the making of the movie. And, you know, he, he hits upon like, you know, well, we're making a sequel. We need to make sure that we do exactly what worked in the first sequel. So we need to set it on a military base. We need to make sure that, you know, in the first one, things that are happening, you know, all the characters are discovering as opposed to this one where the two characters are on a mission and walking into something where there's a new mystery to, to discover. But he's like, it's it's very similar in a lot of ways that we approached it. And I feel like they realized that, like, Steve James was an asset in the first one. So they're like, we got to build his character up in the sense of, like, let's have more fun with Steve James. But I also feel like their adherence to, like, okay, well, we know it worked in the first one. They don't develop Joe's character beyond what he is in the first one, unfortunately. And I wish we would have seen them develop him a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and it's it's unfortunate because it's offset by the fact that, like, you're you're in Steve James' corner the entire movie where you're just like, I just want to watch a movie with him. <laughs> like, can't we just make... Dudikoff, his sidekick instead. Well, I mean, in terms of fun. yeah, in terms of the character development, like they're both like they're 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 kind of stamped in the first film, and this is just like the flat line going through this, and it's like you 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 like you, for a sequel, you do kind of want like a little bit of like uh, personal conflict for one or the other, right? Because that's the whole mm-hmm. thing, right? You don't want it just a retread. In a lot of ways, this one is, but at the same time, it's like it's canon, and they were never really known for like nuance. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I, I realized that you know I'm hitting at it. With, you well, know, no, no, with no. A, you're 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 a thousand percent right. Like it could have been like you know, um, it could have been like was it like Joe coming in and being like, oh man, like I'm really struggling with this idea. Like I want to like I want to be a ninja, but I really don't like wearing black. Can I figure this out? Like you know whatever, like or whatever it is. Like you know, do I have to squint at everything? Whatever well, his I, personal I, conflict is. Yeah, I feel like. 
you know, by the end of the first American Ninja, he's realized who he is. He realizes, you know, what he was trained with, because that's part of the mystery of the first movie is he's sort of got like an amnesia and doesn't remember why he knows what he does. Yeah. But he knows all that by the second movie. So I would have liked to have seen him just been a little looser, like particularly in his like, you know, conversations with Steve James, too. Like there's a scene at the beginning of the film where uh, they're taken out basically to a trap by some of the guys who are um, they're working for or one of the one of the Marines is compromised because he married a local and she's now been held captive by the lion. And so he's been used as like a gateway to capture Marines. Like, follow everybody. Follow this through line here. So I'm just here. By the way, I'm <laughs> going to throw all these one out here just because. Yeah, I, just I because here. I no, 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 no. I got. I got it. I got to do one of these. Do you know why they are called spoilers? For American Ninja Two: The Confrontation. You know, <laughs> just in case if you've not seen this, there's someone that's actively trying to bring Marines into. Um, this like area to be captured for experimentation to become super ninjas for reasons. Mm-hmm. So there's one guy is now compromised because his wife's been captured. So he's like, you know, he's like, oh, let's go out to the beach, look at the honeys. Oh no, the boat stopped working. I guess we gotta be stuck on Ninja Beach. <laughs> yeah, and what's funny to me about that is, is that like you know Steve James' character just kind of takes directions from Joe. And I, I, I wish there had been a little bit more play there. Like I wish it would have been, ah, oh, and it sounds so shitty. Cause I'm like, Oh, let's think of another like white and black character actor. But I'm like, I wish it would have been more like Riggs and Murtaugh where there's a little bit more debate because Steve James just sort of takes his like, you know, orders of like, Hey, you go watch on that guy. I'm going to take a look at the boat and then and just appear. Yeah. Um, I, I wish there would have been a little bit more of, you know, him being like, you know, why don't I stay with the boat and you go out, you know, or something <laughs> along those lines. Like I, I, and that's a small criticism to level against a movie called American Ninja two, like to want more of its characters. But what if but it was I, called American Ninja comma T O O. And you had more, like, you know, <laughs> It was we find out that Steve, Steve James, James is an American ninja. Yeah, why not? Right? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I would have been, I would have been totally down with that. And um, it's funny too because I had seen these movies as a kid. I hadn't revisited the first one until your Super Bro party, and this was my first time revisiting the second one since probably sometime in the eighties. And I'd forgotten that Steve James reappeared. I was so happy. I was so excited. You're right. Like I was so excited to see him show up again. I, this is my first time watching this and seeing him back made me very happy because I knew we were going to get ridiculousness. Like, Oh my gosh, I I love him in this. Yeah. Continue, please. And it also makes me want to, uh, look up, uh, the director also did a film called, uh, avenging force with Dudikoff and Steve James, which I'm like, I need to see this. It sounds like an unofficial uh, American Ninja movie with the two of them. I want to see that. It took place in between these two, so I, I, I'm I'm all all in for Dudikoff and Steve James. I think that they're in a uh, an underrated team of uh, the 1980s. What it also bothers me because we we I you know researching this for today, like and I should have realized this previously that Steve James didn't he didn't live very long, and that's a bummer. He um it he, is a bummer. He made it to um 
uh, 41. So we, we have outlived Steve James and his amazingness. So that sucks. Which is crazy. If you ask considering me our like, lifestyles. Yeah. He should still be yeah, alive. Look at, he's like an incredible shape. <laughs> I know. In this right. Like his, his, um, his arm should be alive still, like at least, right? Like just, I, yeah. there, there was a bit in this movie towards the end and we'll talk about, um, the, I, I want to talk about the, the, the building at the very end, please. I want to, we talk, we talk about, uh, was it Blackbeard Island? Remind me, I need to talk about the complex. It's amazing. And how terrible the budget was for that building. But there was a bit at the end when Steve James was wearing like a vest, he pulls out like these two big knives and they show him fighting these like ninja, right? They cut back to Dudikoff having his fight in the arena and then they cut back and Steve James is not wearing a shirt. Like there's no explanation yeah. of where the vest went. And I, I want to believe I that one. <laughs> I just want to believe that he's just like, listen, you guys know what you're paying for. You're paying for me without a shirt on. And even <laughs> earlier on in the big bar fight at, um, was it the, the, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like, it's like how, how many steps can we get Steve James uh, like out of his clothes, like and I, like you know, you know he was down for all of it. <laughs> like I, I don't know if this is true. I I did see this in doing my research um, for this. Apparently, he and Dudikoff became friends offset, and actually, Dudikoff was actually one of his pallbearers at his funeral. So, like, that's also like you're like, oh, they were kind of like buddies in real life. I don't know why that matters to me as like a film it does, fan though. Like it makes yeah. it, yeah, it makes us feel better. Right. so like in terms of like their connections, um, oh, I didn't realize that, um, that he was in, uh, that Steve James was in weekend at Bernie's too. Um, not that that matters, but weird. All right. Um, <laughs> he was also an American Ninja three, right? <laughs> Which, Which yeah, did, I've yeah. never actually seen the third one, and now I'm interested in watching it. The third one like, doesn't have Dudikoff, though, but he comes back for the fourth one. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing is, is that uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't see the third. I can, I can specifically remember like when it came out. I was like, I'm not seeing that. Michael Dudikoff's not in it. Oh, I didn't know his name was, but I'm like, the guy from the other two American Ninjas isn't in it. And then I remember the fourth one came out and I'm like, wait, he's back. And I still haven't seen that one either. Well, so I need supposedly to I saw that the fifth one doesn't have him, but it has Pat Morita. So yeah. there's a lot of confusing things going on in the next couple movies from this, from the series. Uh, but I also want to point out Steve James is actually, uh, he actually kind of got his start doing um, uh, stunt work, which makes sense. He was in the warriors from 79. He was a uh, baseball fury. Number eight which is the greatest uh, role title ever. So he was there for a second. He's in the film called The Exterminator, which I've never seen, but I know the second one was produced under canon, I believe. Um, but the, I want more. Oh, he was in Weird Science as well. Okay. Um, oh, he's, he's, oh, that's right. He's part of. Is he at the club? Yeah, he's oh. at the club that they go to. And uh, uh, why does he just beat the shit, shit out later? of Anthony Michael Hall right there? He should. He should just be like, my sleeves are off. You're dead. Well, there's a scene later where Robert Downey Jr. tries to order a drink. I think it's Robert Downey Jr. who orders a drink, but he's like, uh, how do you want it? Straight around the rocks. And I can't remember what uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s response is, but I think Steve James says, how about I shove it right up your ass? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, on the rocks is fine. And he's like, yeah, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> I just... I, I love Steve James and everything in this movie. Like there's this, like there just the, the, that was it um, blind beggars cove was the name of the bar in this film. Right. I think that's what it was called. Um, and that's the only bar in this town because everything happens there. Um, 
But I like the like the was it the first time we get introduced in this film? Uh, you get the the Marines there. They get beat up and they get taken by the ninjas that just happen to be back. And like the what, where, where were they at in the kitchen? Like where were they just waiting to go grab the guys? Whatever. But then whenever Dudikoff shows up, the first time there's a big fight, and then they show up again. I'm like, is this the only bar in this town? Like, but it you know, is. it's because like they had the cost for that one that one location. It's funny you mention that too, because uh, that bar is actually at the beginning of the film is sort of uh, our entrance to the film as, as far as like a set piece. And I do think it's funny too, that uh, we're sort of, I don't know, maybe it's, it was me watching it, but did you think that like the two people, cause there's three people on like mini, not mini bikes. No, there's motorcycles. I thought it was actually going to be Dudikoff and Steve James and somebody else. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought that that's what we were being led into, but we're not. It's nope. actually three characters that I guess, kick off the story for the film, which I guess may be a smarter choice, but I, I was totally expecting it to be them on motorcycles, uh, ninjas, if you will. <laughs> to considering that like two of them get abducted by ninjas to go to Ninja Island. And then the third's the ones being blackmailed and he gets killed about a third of the way through the film. The intro to this movie is just dudes that we don't care about riding motorcycles. Right. I want to make, an American Ninja six. Now that's just called Ninja Island. Right. I think Dudikoff would be up for it. Like I said, that's why I called the beginning of the episode Ninja beach. Right. Cause like, I know when you watch this a couple of nights ago, you posted the picture of Dudikoff wearing his, his, um, eighties appropriate body glove. Body glove. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and then the, the like, like we, we talked about the ambush at, uh, at the beach though. I like that the moment all the, the Marines go to swim and Steve James is like, well, I got to go show them who has better, a better body than me or whatever he says. It doesn't say that he goes away and also credit that the one, the one thing we know about Joe is that he's actually like decent, like, um, mechanical stuff because he was working on the convoy in the first film and working in the motor pool. So then yeah. he was like, Oh wait, this boat, this, this little tiny, like, boat we're on. Like, oh, th- this was not a problem. I've hooked it back up. It's like, oh, yeah, he is mechanically inclined. Like, it's so fast. I'm like, I don't, I'm not upset that he figured out that the guy pulled, like, the one cable out. Like, that felt very <laughs> in line with what he's capable of doing. But then the moment he figures out the boat's running, he gets to the beach, and then, like, eight ninjas just show up in a line running towards him. Like, like was that always the plan of, like, oh, no, we're going to wait for the boat to show up? No, no, no. We were a single file remember buddy system. Remember, we're going to go attack these guys and then take them back to our island base. Like, it was so random. It felt like a video game. Like, this whole movie is one of my favorite video games I've ever seen. Because every sequence was like, it's like, oh, you're on the beach now. Here comes eight ninjas and then 12 ninjas and then 26 ninjas. It was ridiculous. It is always funny to me in movies where, like, uh, there's one guy up against eight people and they never think to attack all at once. Nope. You're like, let's, let's all wait a turn <laughs> yeah. and then we'll go up against him. Well, even kind of what happens, th- which is what exactly what happens right with him and Steve James. I just, I, 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 I don't know. I just like, um, that it just, before they even get to that little Island, when they're both brought to this, uh, Marine base, they were told that Marines were gone missing and that there happened to be guys in black, uh, black like garb taking them and the Steve James like huh guys dressed in black sound familiar I'm like is that is that the only thing the military had to go on is that guys dressed in black were taking Marines so send in the guy that we know is a ninja and his friend like 
You know what I mean? Like that was just like, oh, well, I guess we're here now. Cause the Marines are like, why'd you send military? And been like, they, you know, I think at that point, I think uh, Armstrong and Jackson could have been very upfront with um, wild bill from GI Joe. Um, Cause that's what they called him. Right. And then he wore a hat later. Like you got the GI yeah. Joe vibe, right? Um, like he was like, he, this guy was like the, 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 the dickiest, like, uh, like PE teacher who was running this Marine squad. Like I was just like, I didn't dislike, I didn't dislike him, but I'm like, you're going to be a gym teacher once you're 10 years over here. Right. You know that. Right. Anyway. Um, like, I think they could have been straightforward and been like, oh, there's guys in black garb doing this. I know we're military. However, I was trained as a ninja and can vanish on site. And Steve James is Steve James. And he'd been like, but obviously we're going to go figure this out. I think they could have been more forthcoming with their leadership. You know? I, I think that you're absolutely right there. I would not debate you on that at all. But I also feel like it's weird that like they wrote it in that like they're expecting Marines, but the army shows up. I don't think that. And again, I'm not. It's I, I'm not somebody who's that familiar with the armed forces. So somebody could absolutely prove me wrong on this. Aren't Marines supposed to be like the like line of defense after the army? Or am I wrong on that? Like, I don't know. Like, well, I feel like you call one in and not both. The, at the I same think the time. Marines aren't they? Aren't they associated with the like the Navy? Isn't that like? Isn't that the whole thing? Right? Um, where, where I'm gonna look this up. Um, let's see here. This is, this is what I get for being a a, a liberal. I don't know. No, oh, kidding. actually, wait a second here. Uh, um, but I just I don't I'm not that familiar with uh, the actual like rankings of how the military breaks down once you actually get into the actual factions. <laughs> right. I got, you're like, I don't know the different gangs. Um, well, no, I, I, I always thought of, Oh wait, I take the okay, so is- United States Marine Corps, the USMC, right. You know, uh, Arlie Emery and all that also referred as the Marines. Great. Is the maritime land force service branch of the armed forces responsible? So I think they're, they, I think they are part of the army, right? But you're right. So it feels weird that, that the Marines were upset that other army guys showed up. Feels, yeah, yeah. And I, I just thought it was an odd choice to be like, what are we starting our story off with? Well, let's make sure that there's some sort of problem with the fact that they expected Marines and got army guys. And oh like, wait, they're also part, really- they're, they're part of the department of Navy. So I take all that back. I'm, I'm a hack and a fraud. So anyway, they're Navy this guys. This is what I get for not paying attention closer to G.I. Joe when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? It's like, I know what the trouble bubble is. Anyway, um, so they're part of the Navy. They're bringing the Army. They're, I guess I guess no matter what branch of the armed services that you're in, there's always going to be a rivalry. So there's a little bit of that going on. I like that the Army guys are like the, like the rigid ones, and the, and the Marines are like, we're going to party like it's Top Gun. The entire time. I like how it's like we dress in um, you know, civilian uniforms because of these uh, crazy left terrorists, these left extremists. Like, like right. Okay, whatever. And then it's like, hey, dude, want to go surfing later? Let's just go surfing because we're Marines. Like, what? I was confused by what they're actually doing there. <laughs> I don't know if I should go into this on the show. Sure, um, let's do it. I already swore earlier. Hell? Yeah. So I I used to work for a guy many years ago who uh, was in Vietnam, and uh, some of the things that he told me, I was like, wow, that's that's frightening and awful. And then there were things that he told me where I was like, I guess if I was there, I don't know how I would have responded. But like, it was one of those things where he was like, you know, they would work 24-hour shifts, and then 
you know, they would spend their other like two days off and then 24 hours on kind of like just being drunk and like whatever. And I'm like, wow, this is not at all what like my picture of what service like was it in Vietnam, you know, via movies at that point would have mm-hmm. been my only exposure to like what really would have been. I guess let's go back. Full Metal Jacket was probably the only movie that I'd seen that was probably um, an accurate description, I guess, of some of the things that he was telling me. But I was just like, it's like, wow, I, I, I had no idea that that's how it broke down. So when I see things like the Marines who are like, yeah, hey, let's cut loose, bro. Let's go hit on some chicks. Like, I'm like, oh, that wouldn't be really how it is. But there's part of me in the back of my brain. I'm like, oh, that probably was kind of how it was because they weren't on like active duty in the sense that they weren't in some sort of like war at the time. Well, even at the so, beginning when the dude show up at the bar, uh, the one guy's like, give me a dollar or whatever. It's like, I have, I have an accent and we're all scrubby, grubby men outside. It was like a gang of hobos that it was like a two part con. I didn't understand that at all where it's like, you got to have the trash men out front that come in and cause a problem. And then after like they defeat everybody, then the ninjas who are supposed to be the superior fighters come in and grab the guys. It was very confusing. Uh, but, uh, but the very beginning when the guy's like, give me like a dollar and the guy's like, we're not tourists, we're Marines. Like, I think that kind of drew the line of like, you know, we're, we're not your typical rubes. Like don't, don't pull this bullshit on us. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the, the grubby men, you know, whatever they are, like, and it's a weird distinction to hold up against something called American Ninja 2, the confrontation. Like, I realize this is not something that I should be getting hung up on, but it was the first thing that I thought of. <laughs> no, I think it's fair. There's a lot of questions this film's asked. Like, oh, I actually get this question as well. Um, so we get to, we get to, um, let's just be honest, like Blackbeard Island, that's what it's called, right? Um, is basically a vocational college campus. It's like, it's like LCC or L, whatever it is, Tri-C. It's, um, you know, Cuyahoga community college. It's, it's, it's glit. It's Greendale community college where these, <laughs> these, these ninjas are being made. Um, like whatever, uh, Dudikoff shows up, he's like, hi, I'm, I'm Joe Ninja man. And I'm here to save you guys. There was like four Marines stuck in like the cell. And then like, so they weren't actually being used for experiments yet. And then when they're brought into this conversation at the end, I think two of them die. So it's like, oh, well, was this mission successful or not? I'm confused. <laughs> I guess it's mission successful because, you know, at the end, uh, they leave. So, <laughs> but can so the, so the first half of this film feels like, you know, in terms of like locations and things going on, like, you know, you, you find some cool looking older buildings, you shoot stuff like the action choreography in this is actually not the worst there's some weird slowing of movement meaning choreography wise where they ha- like you could tell that they're they've practiced this but it's like you and i have both been um uh we're living in an age now where this is all like all actions been like shine to a fine point. Right. So choreography, like you look at your John wicks, you look at everything else. It's like the action choreography is so great that you go back to something like this, where you see some of the slower movements and things that, that doesn't quite hold up, but the clarity of the action is actually pretty good. Like you get everything as dumb as it is, as dumb as it is, is Michael Dudikoff, like taking a ninja star and throwing it like a hundred yards and hitting a guy in the head is dumb as all get out. Uh, the blowgun stuff is dumb. Uh, catching arrows in the air and throwing them at targets is dumb, but you get all of it. So that that's all, it's all great. But like, so when you get to the second half of the movie where it takes place on Ninja Island, 
the brickwork of that building looks like a community college. And I always checked out from there because it's like, they realized like, we don't have money. Can we just shoot this down the street at like at the, the industrial park? That's what it felt like to me. I can't disagree with you on that. I think absolutely the cheapness of the budget shows through um, at this point. And I, I did want to actually make a mention of this because as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, this doesn't look as good as the first one. I'm like, I wonder who directed this. And then realizing that it was the second, it was the director of the first one, I was like, oh, what happened? And I, I did do a little bit of research and I saw that they cut the budget for this. It was their one original, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess, yes, Breaking is probably their other franchise, although it never pops beyond a second movie. But like, this was their own original franchise that came out, the first movie successful. And they cut the budget on the second one. Yep. It's like, come they, on, they guys. Pulled, they pulled the cannon I mean, move of like, it'll be good enough, right? Actually, I should also take Mission in Action, uh, Missing in Action, sorry. Um, yeah. That one was one that they shot the first film and it was t- like not great. And then they shot the sequel that was better. So they released yeah. that one first. Like, that was also a franchise they kind of got started, but they didn't know what they had until they got both films done. Right. Cannon, Cannon was just, my God, to be a fly on the wall like during all those meetings, like I would like, that's, that's, that's the Netflix original series I need is not like, I do want a fourth season of glow, but can I get four seasons of just like a, um, like a golden globus, like Canon films, like Netflix series of the rise and fall of Canon. How amazing would this be? Honestly? Like, and I know that this is, I don't know. It, it sounds weird to say, but like as somebody who was, you know, in his, excuse me, um, you know, uh, his his early teens, this is 87, so I would have been 12 going on 13 when this came out. Like, this movie, like, if I was somebody who was given the G.I. Joe franchise, for instance, like, you know, we've had two G.I. Joe movies, which I haven't seen either, but I understand that neither are really great. Nope. <laughs> If, if, if I was somebody who was going to be making that movie, I'd be like, and knowing what like G.I. Joe meant in the 80s and knowing that that's probably your target audience right now is like targeting those kids who played with the Joes from like 82 to 87, like that prime demographic. And they're the ones who you're going to spread out from. I would be like, OK, here's American Ninja. Um, here is Missing in Action. I would give them canon films. I'd be like, look. We're doing big budget versions of this because that's really what, as a kid, it felt like the canon films, at least their action films, you're missing the actions, particularly your, um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the other Chuck Doris franchise. Um, uh, oh, um, uh, he blows up. Um, Delta Force? Uh, yes, thank you. Delta Force? It'd be like, here is our goal. We want to make this. Okay, but we want to do it with G.I. Joe. And we want to make it feel like this on a big, bigger budget and, you know, a better crafted story. But, like, this is the goal. Like, these are the movies that I would hold up. Be like, you've got one guy who's an American ninja. Doesn't make any sense, but go with it. <laughs> you've got, you know, and that's your snake eyes. You've got, you know, um, any number of, like, you know, Leatherneck, um, Lady J, Slash, Flint, Slash. Just, just, call, just call Steve James Roblox and move on. Like, yeah, I would have been, like, been fine with that. Oh, my gosh. These would been be amazing. the templates that I would be like, this is what you want to look at. Because this is what was going on at the time. And I, I, I feel like watching this movie, while it didn't make me specifically nostalgic, 
I could easily put myself at the age that I was when I first saw these movies and be like, yeah, this completely, this feels exactly what it was like in this time period. And the fever that was around ninjas. Like, I put that that post up on my Facebook of, you know, Joe slash Michael Dudikoff getting attacked on the beach as a joke. But, like, Ninja Fever was, like, mid-80s was huge. Oh, yeah. And, and part of that was because of canon, right? Like, the way they kind right. of fueled it. But it's, like, so <laughs> speaking of Ninja Fever, like, I, I adored how this film, like, every five minutes, like, there needs to be a ninja showing up somewhere in this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's the beach. It's um, whenever he was at, um, when Joe goes to, like, talk to the daughter of the scientist, and he goes, knocks on her door, and he's like, can we talk? And all of a sudden, it's like, Ninja just showed up. Like, there's so many times. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, God, and Ninja. Like, I think that there should be, like, there's a skit there or an idea of, like, you know, just going through your day-to-day, but the ninjas. That's what happened this entire movie, and I loved it. Uh, yeah, and what's fun about that, too, is is that, like, and uh, <laughs> this could be a detraction for the movie as well because they don't really flesh it out, but, like, these are supposed to be, like, mutant ninjas, too. Like, they just, like, and again, I realize they're not teenage or turtles, but like they're they're trying to like build it up to be more something than just a ninja, and they're like it's an army of mutant ninja warriors. And you're like, wait, what? Well, yeah, like I feel like, like the, that bomb gets dropped halfway through the movie, and you're like, wait, what movie are we in now? Yeah, because like you're right, because it's like the whole thing is like you you get when you get um you know was it the lion uh, talking like he's he's like oh I'm the most successful drug dealer in the world or whatever and, I, and the entire time I'm like are you the Shackler family with the opioids that's what that feels like to me you're like hey we should just sell uh, opioid like, like you know sell all these uh, painkillers and also ninjas can we talk about for a second about how why was there this fascination in the 80s of how the best way to keep a hold of your criminal empire was to create guys that were just really good with swords. <laughs> I mean, I remember laughing at the joke when Wayne's world came out where Wayne oh, you opened, opened the, the door, door right, with all the training yeah. and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember thinking that was funny, but going back to the year of Canon last year and then looking at this stuff, I guess Canon was two years ago, but like looking at this stuff, it's pretty prevalent where I'm like, that was really spot on. I don't know that I appreciated it at the time how spot on that joke really was, but it's <laughs> it, yeah. it's the plot of a lot of '80s movies where it's like, well, I got to hold on to my empire. I'm going to create an empire of you know nefarious warriors who will defend my empire. Well, yeah, it's like that was the plot of the first film too. It's like if I have these trained ninja, they'll do whatever. It's like, yeah, also guns. Like I don't like. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that like they wouldn't like cause problems and like if you wanted like i feel like a well-trained ninja like dropped in like with a specific goal could do a lot of damage in terms of whatever tactical like target they were doing right but like an army of ninjas versus like a tank i don't know how that's going to go like i yeah like isn't that the whole plot of the last samurai is that technology is catch- catching up to like you know the end of feudal japan right like Right, like the like like they might be skilled and honorable warriors, but they can't outrun gunpowder. Like I don't know. Like it just feels like, and 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 on like with playing Ghost of Tsushima, like 
the Mongols are evading and they figured out how to like, you know, cause fire to rain down, which is a problem because technology. So I don't understand this whole, like this, these are mutant ninjas, which they really weren't because they, um, they pulled a captain America civil war where it's like, here's these other naked white guys in these tubes. They're going to be the next generation. They're going to be the ones that are the super ninja that we never, ever saw in combat ever. Like that was supposed to be ninja 2.0. Um, also, if you're an, if you're a guy showing off to your potential investors, how great your ninjas are, don't send your head guy in there to kill half your crop. That's also, I think that's a pro tip to be like, Hey, Hey, right hand man, go kill all these ninjas. I can sell to everybody to show how great they are. That seemed kind of self-defeating. I will say there's always a movie or there's always a scene in these types of movies too, where like somebody has to, you know, assert how tough they are. So it's a scene of them like killing all of their top ninjas. And I'm like, yeah, but you just killed all like your top dudes. Like, yeah, you know, why, why not spur them and just be like, yeah, I can take all these guys and I'm going to let them live right now so that we have an army well, instead of you. I think it would have been better after the, 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 the dance demonstration where it was, we got a music number in there where they're all doing dance numbers or whatever it was like, uh, so you think you can ninja. Um, I think it had been a better moment, like moment and way worse in terms of the bad guy of Will Ferrell, which I keep saying it's Will Ferrell, but the guy looked like Will Ferrell, like he looked like Will so Ferrell with glass, it's, sunglasses it's on writer, Gary Conway, yeah, the guy who wrote the co-wrote the movie. Yeah. And it, what's funny about it is, is that there's a comic book writer by the name of Gary Conway. So I thought that's who it was at first. You like the guy did the green arrow and the Punisher. You know, yeah. and I think he actually co-wrote the Conan the Barbarian or Conan the Destroyer. I don't remember mm. which one, but I, I was like, oh my god, Garrett Conway. I'm like, oh, he's a comic book writer, and I looked him up. I'm like, oh, it's not, it's not the same guy. And I'm like, oh, he's also an actor. He's playing the lion in this. So, um, it's it, it's interesting if you. Like in watching Stranger Things, as somebody who lived through the '80s, there are things where I can be like, I call a little bit of bullshit on that. I can, but at the same time, I can also be like, yeah, that's kind of how it was. I don't know that I can stress the importance as as like a a boy growing up in the '80s, how important ninjas were to like every franchise, with the exception of maybe Star Wars. Right. I mean, GI Joe had Snake Eyes. Masters of the Universe had a character named Ninjor, like. It, it, ninjas were like everywhere. There was a magazine devoted to ninjas. I don't remember what it's called. I think it might have just been called Ninja Magazine. But like, you would go to shitty, you know, uh, flea markets and buy ninja stars. Yes. And no, my older brother had ninja stars. I'm together. like, why? Why would you have ninja stars? You never yeah, know. I, yeah. I cut up a broom uh, trying to make my own set of nunchucks. I mean, <laughs> it would only accelerate as we get closer to the TH Mutant Ninja Turtles. But, like, that period of the 80s, like, ninjas were huge. So it was like, it wasn't unexpected for a ninja to just show up in a movie. We'll put it that way. I, I want to believe now that post-pandemic, because, you know, I know that, like, you know, uh, gun violence is a problem and it's, 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 it's its own epidemic that people need to identify and treat. I just want to believe now that when you go out, if someone's like uncomfortable, you just open your jacket, just a smidge and you see a pair of nunchucks made out of a broomstick that you just point out. You just, you just pat it gently and you just kind of wink at them. Be like, no, I got this. Like, I want to believe, I want to believe that's what happens. I think that'd be amazing. Like, no, I got this. 
I think my mom might have fired him and throw him out. I don't remember what happened to him, but I, I remember growing like, up, everybody made nunchucks. That's the truth. Yeah. Like we, yeah, they were the shittiest nunchucks and you just mess up and you hit yourself in the head and you were done for the day. You know, um, there was a point here a couple of years ago in Cleveland that I remember pulling up to a red light and there was a car in front of me going on to, to interstate 90. That was at a red light as well. The passenger put out a pair of nunchucks off to the right. They hung their arm out and started swinging a pair of nunchucks as the cars at a red light. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on there, but I want that TV show where they're just driving around <laughs> with nunchucks hanging out the window. Um, but yeah, so I want to mention here that, uh, Gary Conway, um, not only, so he had four, he had four writing credits. So, sorry, I take it three writing credits. You're going to like this. Sorry four. uh, American Ninja two, uh, American Ninja three, a film called a woman's story from 2000. And in 1987, he got a story credit for one of your favorite movies of all time over the top. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, uh. That's that says a lot. <laughs> but over I, the top is it's still it still stings. That was oh, a movie that I was so love that movie. I love it, it's you know a double elimination, Steve. It's double elimination. Oh, I, I, I just was like, wow, this is this is hard to get through, <sighs> and I so desperately wanted to watch that movie and love it. So well, you got to watch it with me, and we'll love it together. But so so yeah, but Gary <laughs> Gary Conway is the lion. I still see Will Ferrell <laughs> like in that role, but I love it. He's like, here, look at all my product, and they're gonna kill each other. But it's like, or sorry, I should say, I'm gonna send my my best ninja in to kill them. Like, would it have been cooler though if he would have like taken like four or five of them and like. Like here, you fight to the death, or to show the obedience of have like have one perfectly stand still and to tell the other one kill him. Like to show how like like they're good at taking orders. Like mm-hmm. that would have been better than having a Super Bowl halftime show demonstration and then have your head ninja kill all of them. That felt like I just felt like um you're not really selling your product very well. That's all. <laughs> that's that's fair. Also, your head really ninja, say. your head ninja is not good enough to where like he can't beat the American ninja, but he brings out a shotgun out of nowhere to start shooting at your uh, American ninja. That felt weird to me as well. I think that's how it works when you're a ninja. If you start losing, you can pull out a a, a shotgun yeah. <laughs> or a laser if it's the first. Yeah, movie. yeah. It's like we can't afford laser money. Can we just do a shotgun? I also like the idea. It's just like. Hey, honor and combat until you're losing and then just bring a gun in. <laughs> and that's the thing about this movie though, is, is it's fun, but I'm like, can you imagine if they'd actually been like, okay, this movie's a hit. So we're going to put more money into the budget. We're going to do a second version. That's going to be like even bigger. Like, I, I wonder like what this movie could have been if they'd have actually invested in it, which is the shame of Canon in the sense of like, we love them because they're low budget. But at the same time, they had something that they could have put some extra money into to make it bigger than the first one. And actually, this one actually feels smaller than the first one. It does feel smaller. And- I, I, I had more fun with this one, though, because you you told me that you're worried before we start recording it, that there wasn't much of the plot here. And you're absolutely right. Uh, but it does. It does keep it moving. Like no matter yeah. what, like there's even that bit whenever they, they show up in like, what was it? The one guy's car, like the, the Marine captain's car, they go to the bar again. The, that was it the, the blind beggars bar have that big fight there, which is a lot of fun. And then they walk outside and the car's being stripped for parts. Yeah. And I love that because the, 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 the passenger door is missing. 
So they get in and they drive back to this fancy party and like, you know, like they're like, oh, like, is your ride here? And then the Marine captain's like, I think it's fine. And this, this piece of shit rolls up. I think that's great. Although I will say, too, why is it that Joe and and uh, Steve James, which I apologize, Jackson, Jackson, why is it that Joe and Jackson are the only two competent people in this entire goddamn movie? Like, <laughs> well, no, there's the other there's the other Marine that joins them, which I do like that he gets behind the bar. And at one point during the bar fight, he pours a drink for himself and another woman. He's like, hey, you want to meet up for lunch? And she just bashes him out with a bottle. And he's like, so that's a no for lunch. <laughs> like, it's, so, it's like, <laughs> it's so stupid, but yeah. I like it. Cause like the, whoever that guy is, he, he, he sells it. Well, I liked it a lot. Like, like this is, you know, but I love that Steve James is like, Hey, I want to go to a bar fight. It's like, no, no, no we got to investigate stuff. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to have a bar fight <laughs> right now. Like, <laughs> he's like, Hey, Dudikoff, go upstairs, deal with whatever. I'm going to fight all these people right now. Like, I love that mentality of like, just bring it. And he just never backed down that entire sequence, and it was amazing. Well, I'm going to say right now, just because of the fun that we've had with these two movies, at some point, just because Steve James is in the third one either, we need to, at some point, review the third one uh, at a later date. Or I, I would actually even be interested in looking into Avenging Force to see what that movie is, since... I didn't realize that it was the two of them in a movie that takes place between American Ninja. And it is not about being an American Ninja. I would love to see what their chemistry is playing different characters. Maybe it's exactly the same, but like, yeah, I, I, am looking through his, his filmography right now. And I, I forgot, I haven't seen, I'm going to get you sucker. He's in that movie. Um, I, oh, I've seen it, but I haven't seen it in like 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see, uh, who he was in that. And I, I, I'm in a place right now where I want to see more of uh, Steve James. We'll put it that way. Yeah. And there's also, there's a film, um, McBain that he was in that uh, has Christopher Walken in it as the main character. Uh, Michael Ironside's in it as well. Oh my gosh. Um, Maria Kachita Alonso, who was in um, the running man. Um, like, oh my, like this, we need to maybe watch this film. Louise Guzman, one of his first films. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we may need to watch that. That, that looks like it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but just having Christopher Walken, like be like serious walking, you know, um, that might be fun too. But yeah, Steve James is, is an American treasure and I'm, it's a bummer. He was gone so soon. Cause I feel like he's that kind of guy that if he was still around, like who knows what he would have been doing after. And he's also a guy that I think like, you know, um, he feels like a guy that like might've gone underappreciated. And then Robert Rodriguez would have like been like, I'm putting him in this movie and he would have risen risen to fame again. I could have easily seen him in, um, in, uh, from dust till dawn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just there's the bit of, like towards the end when he steps on that guy's neck and like breaks it right like the guy's dead and then he walks away and the guy starts to get up he's like stay down and the guy's like oh, oh Steve James I'll do it like like it's so great it's so great I love it it's like and then I don't know I just like um they just gave him all these like you know uh, community college hallway fights 
that I liked yeah. a lot too. Like it, can, can we like the medical lab is two hallways. Did you like that the one? What was the names of the labs? Like there, like it was so obvious. Like um, like operations lab and whatever. Like the signs <laughs> were so obvious for this place. Mutant lab, this way, please. <laughs> Super ninja project. You know, like <laughs> it was so dumb. Like, and I loved it. It's like you could tell. It's like they they shot this at like you know some community college and. It, it, it like it's not that far away from a Neil Breen film in a lot of ways where they shot the, the, the second half of this locations, right? Where it's like, we have this college, we're going to use all the stairwells <laughs> or whatever it was, <laughs> right? Like, because a building like that, I don't think would exist on its own little island, like off the coast of like Johannesburg. I don't think, I don't think that, uh, you know, Blackbeard Island would have Blackbeard Island vocational college, you know, like, I don't know. Don't think so. Yeah, I don't know that we'd have gotten uh, what we did in this movie. And I, I, I realized that like part of my uh, discussion this evening has been just sort of uh, ripping on the movie in the sense of like it not being the first one due to its budgetary concerns. But like it was, it was a movie that I was like, oh, I expected it to get crazier than the first one, and it didn't. But I am glad that Steve James does have a, a larger part in this movie, and. I, I actually like again. It's it's one of those things where it's like you're looking at things through rose covered glasses. But I'm like, I kind of want to see a, a you know a, a Michael Dudikoff, even if it's a joke. Like I'd like to see him come back in some sort of like big American Ninja movie or something. I, I would like that. I think um, if they even did like an Adult Swim series, uh, like American Ninja, and had him and like. I don't know, like Michael Jai White, who is uh, Black Dynamite, or like Terry Crews take over the Steve James role, where they just do ridiculous things in their American Ninja. I would adore that. That'd be if he leaned in. That'd be so great. I would. I would love that so much. Oh, I would totally be down for that. Absolutely. Which I mean, brief aside, have you seen Black Dynamite or not? The act, the move the the movie not the series I mean so I, yeah. this is a this is a shame of mine I have not I, I remember seeing the trailer for it and being like this looks amazing and not watching it and then I know an animated series came out didn't watch it and like I watched um, the Eddie Murphy uh, biography of um, oh, oh um, Dolomite they call me Dolomite uh, yeah. yeah but I, I the the gentleman's name is a uh, oh, Rudy 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 Raymore yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm going to check out all the Dolomite films. I haven't gotten to those either. So I wanted to watch the Dolomite films. I made a, a note to myself. I'm like, I'm going to watch these Dolomite films before I see the movies that it's sort of, yeah. uh, you know, um, parodying. Paying with, homage to. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, with uh, Black Dynamite. And I haven't checked out either. And I, I need to. I don't have a good reason for it. But yeah. The Black Dynamite is actually on HBO Max right now. So like is it okay oh my gosh it's it's amazing but yeah i think this continuation would be great i know i was reading on um a, like about dudikoff that like um there like when the expendables films were being kind of produced there was talks of him coming in that'd be great too i know there's the talks of a fourth one bring dudikoff in um i'll tell you um so call of duty um whatever the current one is black ops 7 or whatever i don't remember what the title is of the current call of duty games they're doing a um summer uh, 80s action hero like mm -hmm. package or whatever so they have john rambo they have um oh um bruce willis's character from um die hard 
I forget his name. Off top John McClain. John McClain. Like, why not bring in Joe Armstrong? If you're going to do an 80s action pack, bring in the American Ninja into Call of Duty. Why not? Or or Steve Jackson. Come on. That's Steve Jackson. Yeah. Like, just have him have him come in. Steve James. That's not Jackson. Yeah. Steve James. Or have have him come in as, as, you know, yeah. as Jackson. Why not? Why not also bring in Carl Weathers as Action Jackson? But, like, come on. Don't, if you're going to do an 80s heroes pack, like... I would love to have Dudikoff show up again. Like you got Michael Bean a couple years ago to kind of lean into his persona and a couple different things he's done. Like, why not? Like Canon, Canon has a lot of misses, right? For a, for a film studio named after a Canon, they have a lot of misses. Uh, but when they hit their sweet spot of ridiculous and fun, um, it's there, there's a magic like no other. And this is one of those ones that since I I watched the first American Ninja, I had a lot of fun with it. I'm like, this has to be great too. I did not realize how much fun I would have watching this this morning. It was a lot of fun. It is interesting to me looking at Dudikoff's uh, IMDb that nobody has really sort of been like, you know what, you've been, and I, I don't mean to dismiss these films, but he's been doing low budget films. Mm-hmm. Probably since the well, okay, you could you could make the argument that he even during the eighties, but at that point, he thought he was building his career. He thought that Canon was becoming bigger. I mean, outside of the Canon films, the biggest movie that he was probably in is Bachelor Party, which is funny because it's a completely different character. If you've ever seen Bachelor Party, like you would not what be was, like, what was That's he in the that American Ninja? What was he in What's Bachelor that? Party? I, I've seen Bachelor Party multiple times. Where was he in that? He's he's like the one buddy who I think goes out and gets the donkey. Oh, okay. Great. I yeah. did, I didn't realize that was him. Um weird. Okay. But I also know that like his other big claim to fame that he was in um the the TV miniseries North and South um okay. with Patrick Swayze. So like Yeah, he, I, I go to Bachelor Party. You that, no, 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 no. Class. You you feed don if you feed a donkey a bunch of drugs and throw it in an elevator. I, I agree with that every time. That's well, the way to go. apparently he also had a bit part in Tron, but I was just looking over like his filmography and uh, I was just kind of saying the back that nobody's been like, hey, man, like this guy was uh, granted he wasn't Stallone or Schwarzenegger in the 80s, but I'm kind of surprised that nobody has been uh, smart enough to like pull him out and be like, hey, we've got a character who's a general in this or we've got a character who's this or that. And like you would get. You know, like, uh, and I, I hate to say, like Robert Rodriguez, like he's my go-to right now. Well, but I feel like, like, I feel like, like in the Kill Bill series, like you could have had him show up for a second. Tarantino, like you know, he, you know, he watched all this canon shit too, right? Like, the, the, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, why not come back and kind of get some of that love that is out there for him? Because I do believe that these films are liked a great deal. It's just this is this is this is the fun. This is the fun bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, yeah. And I mean, I say this is like a, a you know, a straight married white guy, but like, I don't know why white is part of it. Straight married <laughs> guy. Maybe. I don't know. Long story short. Like, he's a good looking dude. Like, I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't had a resurgence. Yeah, like, I mean, I, w- looks... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers is what they say. Right. It's like <laughs> well, him and Steve James. I mean. Steve James is like what everybody wanted to look like in the eighties. But like, I looked at photos of him recently. I'm like, he's still in pretty good shape. He's a good looking dude. Like, I'm kind of surprised that like 
nobody has like, like plucked it, him out. Super, and, like, if, if it was announced that he was in like the next season of American Horror Story, be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, like just, well, even even if like James Gunn was like, I'm gonna throw him into Guardians or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He feels like a guy who should be like more active today because the people who grew up watching his movies are the ones making movies now i'm just i'm surprised by that yeah i don't know like i think there should be a um a renaissance at this point if 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 casper van diem can keep making films he needs to be loud as well right so they should play father and son in a film i mean the other thing is is that if if and i mentioned this when we talked about uh the david arquette documentary in which i was like if i ever am at a convention and he's there like, I'm totally buying whatever wrestling stuff he has there. But, like, if Michael Dudikoff is in a, a convention, he'd be at one of my t- top of the list of the celebrities that I'd want to meet. I would totally love to meet him and be like, man, I watched these movies so much as a kid. And, you know, not only just, you know, Bachelor Party, but American Ninja. And, you know, like, this was a huge canon was a huge part of my growing up. And, like, he's a piece of that. Yeah. You know? So I, I'm just surprised that he hasn't somebody hasn't like put him in something big recently. We'll put it that way. I agree. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like this episode has been a lot of like, wasn't this great when this happened? Like that, I think that's kind of the spectacle for a lot of Canon films. And if you guys go back and revisit our discussion from two years ago, um, there was a lot of like, you know, that's kind of what they did. Like they, they, the goal, golden globus were like, Hey, like what's going to put butts in the seats. And they're not wrong about this. They weren't really just, I think the biggest thing was their um, kind of shifting budgets was always the big deal, right? So like to give you, give you an idea, Steve, here where we're at with when this came out, this was May 1st, 87. Um, films that came out around the time of this, uh, let's see here. So that was May 1st, 87. July 24th, 87 was Superman for the quest for peace. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Uh, August 7th was Master Universe, which we talked previously on the episode. Um, so this is also the year that, like, canon, like, really couldn't hide from its problems. It started and, to collapse. Yeah. Yeah. Everything started to kind of fall down around them, which if you guys go back, we kind of charted, like, the um, the ascent and quick, uh, you know, descent to uh, canon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they... Um, they had kind of like the early early peak in like the early eighties, and then a couple of years after that, everything started to kind of collapse. Um, Over the top came out, I think, the same year. Actually, let me find this here because um, that was that. I think that's where their money was supposed to be, right? Like that was going to be the thing that was going to bring them back, and that didn't quite do so well. Over the top was February thirteenth, eighty seven. Uh, same same weekend, Mannequin came out. All right, I don't know why you released two movies at the same time. Sure. Uh, Is Mannequin technically technically a canon film? It was like it was partially like they had like a co-production thing. Uh, same thing with uh, Cobra as well. Um, okay. Yeah. So then Street Smart, which I know you and I have talked about briefly, that had Christopher Reeve in it that we should probably check out. I heard it's actually pretty good. Came out in March. Um, American Ninja Two uh, came out in May. Um, Superman Four, Master Universe, and. Um, Death Wish for the crackdown, which we heard at the very beginning of this episode, because that's part of the trailer came out in November and that movie's not very good, but fun. And then mission in action three Braddock came out in January 88. So like it was, things were starting to kind of, kind of fall down around them. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. And, I mean, it's funny to think, like, there are three sequels after this. And I know canon goes through um, restructuring and different problems uh, of, of trying to ride out the financial issues that they're having. But it, it really is funny to me. Like, maybe, maybe had American Ninja, the first one, come out in, like, 83 and the sequel come out in 85, it would have had more of a budget. But... Um, it is interesting to to think of the way that they end up. Uh, I mean, in that year is two huge franchises that they also cut budgets on. So it's it's not surprising to me if they would cut the throat of their own, but uh, big budget. Uh, well, because they already felt like there was a, a packed an audience for it, right? So that was probably they're like, this is established, we can get away with it. Which that seemed to be, and no fault to canon. That seemed to kind of be like, until recently, the way to go for sequels was like, it's a known commodity, cut it back a little bit, we'll make more profit, right? That's how it always kind of felt. Um, but let's go, let's go look at 87 for a second. Um, the, let, me, let me give you, here, I'll give you the top 10. How about that? For 87. <clears throat> Beverly Hills Cop 2, Platoon, Fatal Attraction, The Untouchables, Three Men and a Baby, the Secret of My Success, which was the number one film that, that weekend when this came out. Stakeout, Lethal Weapon, The Witches of Eastwick, Predator. Wow, it's it's interesting. I, I There's two movies on there that I still have not seen that uh, are, are big from that era. Um, you mentioned The Untouchables, correct? Yes. Okay, I've still never seen The, the Untouchables. Um and there was another one that you mentioned that from that era that I've still not seen, but um, that was predator. <laughs> what's that? It was predator. I don't know. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I saw I saw predator, but like you know, predator is probably a movie that I would also say to somebody who was trying to make a GI Joe movie. Like, here is what you need to watch um, to uh, get the vibe of what this should be. But it, it's interesting to me that. Uh, Canon was just, and we've had this discussion before, but it was it was sort of on the cusp of like having something and not realizing that they have it and not being able to back it properly when they should. Yeah, they like they they started like they kept overreaching, and then when they actually got something, I don't know. It's like it was a whole like it was a whole thing of like it was a pyramid scheme in a lot of ways, right? So I, like, I understand yeah. that, but they. They really did want to make movies. I mean, that's one thing that they did want. I mean, they they the money seemed to be secondary, which was also a problem. But like, they were just feeding to make the next thing. No, the the two things that Menachem Golan wanted was to to be loved and popular, right? So that was one thing, and the other thing was to get like critical acclaim. And they never got the second part, like because yeah. I know uh, you and I talked um, when we watched uh, Runaway Train. That was the closest they got to anything that could have got them like over the line of like they made an Oscar winner, which, by the way, that film should have gotten something, but it, it didn't. It's a great movie. Oh, God, it's a Absolutely. great movie. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, with this one, like so they were always split between we want to be loved, but we also want to have fun. Like and I think that's an interesting way to approach it. Uh, so here. So uh, for 87, for the corner box office mojo. Uh, American Ninja 2, The Confrontation. Again, terrible name. Um, you could have called it Ninja Island. That would have been better. Um, <laughs> or Ninja Beach. That would have been, like, either one of those names would have been better. Um, 
was the 131st highest grossing film for the year with $4 million. Let me give you a couple real quick here. Let me do a little higher or lower for you so you can tell me. Okay. Higher or lower? Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, which board? Higher or lower? Than American Ninja 2? Yeah. I mean, that's a Tony Katane film that I don't know anybody saw. I mean, I remember it popping up on VHS, VHS shelves. I don't remember it being in theaters. So this could be a... Uh, this could be my memory playing tricks on me, but I remember American Ninja 2 playing in the theater. So I'm going to say that it was lower. Higher, 109. All right. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, the Chipmunk Adventure, higher or lower? There was a Chipmunk movie in the 80s? I clearly did not remember that. There was a TV show that I remember, but wow. Um, I'm going to say lower. Higher. All right. Evil Dead 2, higher or lower than uh, uh, American Ninja 2? Look, I I enjoyed American Ninja 2, but it's Evil Dead. Come on, it's got to be higher than American Ninja <laughs> 2, is. right? It is barely. Okay. <laughs> Teen Wolf as well. <laughs> Wait, are you, the sequel, Teen Wolf 2? Yes, that's why I said okay. as well. All right. T-O-O. Uh, I, I don't know anybody. I still have not seen the second Teen Wolf movie. It's been so I'm going to say lower. Even with Jason Bateman in it? All right. No, it's higher than. All right. Um, yeah. All right. So Alan Quartermain in The Lost City of Gold, which is the sequel to the Alan Quartermain that we watched for the year of canon. God damn it. I, you know, we, we when you initially brought this idea up, I was like, God damn it, he's going to no, make me watch it. No, no, like, like let's let some context. When I was like, we're going to watch a sequel to a canon film, we're like, it's going to be Alan Quartermain. Yeah, it? like, God damn it, I'm going to have to sit through another Sharon Stone shit fest. Um, oh, Which I man, watched, I didn't write the blog post about, but I found some amazing gifts in that. Um, I just, I don't know, uh, was it Richard Chamberlain that's in that? Yeah, I, and I, I guess it's unfair that I called it a Sharon. Oh no, 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 no! It's all it's all bad, but it, I just I don't know. Richard Chamberlain has he has a charisma that I'm okay with. And he is good in that movie. Don't get me wrong, but I'm gonna say it did worse than American Ninja Two. You're right, it did. <laughs> oh my gosh, it did, it did it did not do so well. Um, it did. Uh, it was 136 versus 131. Uh, my Demon Lover. Do you remember that film? I feel like that's the boyfriend from uh, Family Ties. Right? It is. It's like, Nick from Family Ties. You're 100 percent right. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen that. Um, but do you know the the whole premise of that? Right, is that uh, he was cursed that any time he would get horny, he would become a demon. <laughs> I, apparently not. I don't know that because uh, I laughed at the premise. So. I did not realize that. Um, For whatever reason, this is a film that was in my house a lot growing up, and my mom had no problem with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to say that that did better. Nope, slightly worse. It was 132. Wow. Uh, The Monster Squad, better or worse than American Ninja 2? I wanted to do it better, but like I feel like that movie came out and just died at the box office. So I'm going to say worse. It did do worse. Um, I'll do a couple more here, like not to not to drag this on, but this is just interesting to me about like the dregs of '87. That just shows how strong '87 is, is. That we're mentioning things that people still remember, right? So yeah. Um, all right, let's see here. Uh, three o'clock high. 
Three O'Clock High is such a weird movie. Have you ever watched that? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to say it did better, but I I can't imagine it doing better by much. I don't think it was a hugely popular movie. I saw it on VHS. It did did worse, um, just slightly worse. Um, Let's see here. Oh, oh, come on. Let's find a good one here. Uh, House 2, the second story. I'm going to say it did better because that probably had a bigger budget. It did do better. I I feel like maybe in October we should cover that because I know that's supposed to be like a fun one. I I remember seeing it as a kid, but I don't remember anything about it. Um, All right. So a couple more here. Littered part six. Got to get some Cosby (laughs) up in here. Better or worse? (laughs) I I don't want to derail us, but did you happen to watch that live at all this weekend? I didn't see the um, Hollywood Square skit, no. Okay. Uh, um, the Weekend Update, though, for people, you should watch. Oh, my gosh. Uh, th- th- I know that we're dating ourselves, but watch the most recent episode of Saturday Night Live with Anna Taylor-Joy. The Weekend Update, where Michael Che and Colin Joe's trade jokes is one of the the funniest, most uncomfortable laughs I've had in a long time. They, they've they done it the last three years in a row where their oh, yeah, season but, finale, oof. they do... Just, oh, where they write jokes for each other, and oh my god, yeah, uh, it's brutal, but it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I need yeah, to watch that. Whole... I need to watch that skit. I, I I know that Cosby shows up for like a half second, like yeah, as, as, uh, you know, Thompson yeah. doing uh, Cosby. But uh, I feel like Leonard Part Six was like a huge bomb for Cosby, but it probably did better than this. It did worse. All right, okay. so. Yeah, phew, like we're all good. All right, um, all right, last one, last one, last one. The Stepfather with Terry O'Quinn. Um, you know, that was a movie that your wife, uh, if I remember correctly, like didn't she see it for like the first time at Cinema Wasteland, like just a few years ago? Maybe I don't remember that conversation, but like I always would joke about how the backstory for Locke and Lost was it was the same character from The Stepfather. Okay, because I, I thought she went to go watch like a viewing of it that was happening. At maybe, some, uh, maybe I just uh, I remember like I remember liking this film in the sequel like actually a great deal. It's been forever since I've seen it, but I like the idea of, like Locke's like you don't know my past. I'm like yeah, you killed your families like over <laughs> and over again. The the stepfather I would absolutely uh, the second one's not as good as as you would remember. I, I own both the first and the second one on DVD. Um, but the first one's still really, really good. I'm gonna say it did better. It did worse. Really? Uh, yeah. All um, right. I, I'm I, again. I'm coming out against American Ninja Two at this point. But like, <laughs> Step Up is really a good movie. It's a good, it's a good film. Yeah. Um, yeah. It did worse. Oh, where where to go? Um, I had it here in front of me. Uh, it did do worse. And then I'll also mention here real quickly: Garbage Pail Kids. The movie did worse. Surprising nobody. That movie's terrible. Um, was that a Canon production or no? No, no. It was okay. Atlantic Releasing Corporation. I have no idea what that is. Um, yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that just kind of tells you um, where we were with '87. Like there was a lot of like, man. I just there was competition in the box office, right? Like that's not something we get anymore. Like. No, and I mean, unfortunately, we're at a, a, a point now where as much as I love seeing big blockbuster Marvel movies coming out every three months, um, the smaller film market has been eaten up. Well, it's not even that. So it's it the, the studios, like, count, they always make sure they're 
kind of programming. So everybody gets their tentpole weekend. That's not right. the way this was in the eighties where it's like, we're going to come out swinging. Like, every, but, I, yeah. but I feel like either a movie has got to be a hundred million dollars or $4 at this point. <laughs> like, yeah. There doesn't seem to be an in between anymore, unfortunately, which I think at this point, American Ninja might qualify as that's fair. Right. So, all right. So that, that's our game of higher or lower. That was our unannounced uh, game of higher or lower. Um, yeah, I just, in terms of like talking about a sequel being like, was it successful? I, I, I never figured out our metric for the year of the sequel. I enjoyed American Ninja. I had a lot of fun with it like two years ago. I, I, as I've said repeatedly, I had a lot of fun with this too. Like it, it gave me everything I wanted. It gave me, um, like I was worried about how long they're going to keep, uh, uh, Dudikoff outside the ninja outfit because, when everybody's dressed up as ninja, you can't tell who anybody is. So yeah, that took a while. I did like that he stopped in the middle of the community college uh, stairwell to focus. <laughs> like remember, yeah, things. that was really weird. And it, it like caused fire to happen for a second. I don't understand that. Um, Steve James sleeves can't contain him. Like I just he is the MVP of this movie, and I adored it. Um, and also that kid, oh, what was the kid's name that like kept asking for money? Um, I don't know about you, but have you had anybody like if you're wearing a hat that they, 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 they slap the bill of your hat. That's annoying. Michael Dudikoff did that like five times to this kid as a point of endearment. I'd be mad at Dudikoff. There is a whole sort of, uh, trope running through the eighties of like minority sidekick children, apparently, um, which I didn't really realize until I was watching this movie. I'm like, oh yeah, I could probably trace back a couple of films that have this same thing. But the short yeah, round effect, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he gives the kid a harmonica. What good that is, I don't know. But like, I, I think hard cold, card hold, cold hard cash. Jesus, would be the uh, best way to go. Well, no, it, it's it's a Swiss Army knife. Did you? Like, oh, that's right. Why did I think it was a harmonica? I don't know. It doesn't. But the kid, each time he gives information, he's like three dollars, three dollars, and then he's like five dollars, and then Dudikoff's like, "I'll, I'll pay you back later." And at the end of the film, credit to the film that the kid pulls over. He's like, "You owe me five dollars," and he's like, "Here, here's a Swiss Army knife." And then the kid's like, "Is this for me?" And I wanted, I wanted Dudikoff to be like, "Yeah, it cost me four dollars." Like I wanted to like, <laughs> <laughs> be like, "Yeah, you know." It, it, it was less than what I owe you. Like, like also, I yeah. like it. There's the bit when he's breaking into Ninja Island where he pulls out his one knife and then makes it like a wire cutter. I'm like, well, that's convenient. I'm like, way I don't to go. Know why I thought it was a harmonica. I just watched this yesterday. <laughs> it's, um, it's like, like a Swiss Harmon knife is the shittiest harmonica ever, by the way. It does many things, <laughs> but it's a terrible <laughs> harmonica, which, by the way, I kind of wish it would have been now. I'm like, is this for me? I'm like, yeah, you can play a song about how I owe you $5. <laughs> so I am curious. Did you, uh, did you have a Swiss army knife as a kid? Like uh, I remember thinking no, they were like the coolest thing ever. I never had like, like there was a weird thing growing up where like we all got like, um, like a pocket knife. Like it was a smaller knife. I forget what, yeah. I forget what was actually called. Like there was like a designation for it, but like hit a certain age, you get a knife. And I don't know why, because we were not under threat of anything other than maybe some Whitlin and whatever. If there's some other than it being the eighties, I don't know, but we had, but it's like, it was just a weird, like pocket knife. Like all of us got the same one, like my brothers and I, and that was it. And then Swiss army knives 
never really became a thing for, for me. But when I was in college, the big deal was a Leatherman. You know what I'm talking about? Like Leatherman? No, I don't know. Is that like like a big Rambo looking knife? Like, no, a Leatherman is more. It's like a Swiss Army knife, but it's like um, it, it has more function to it. Like, um, like people, it's it's called a Leatherman multi tool. Looking up right now, um, and you should. It's 120 dollars if you want to buy me one. It's fine. But everybody, it's like it's a Swiss Army knife, but it, it it has more to it. And I remember in college because we were all communications majors. You never know when you need to cut cable or whatever. Like I don't know, like you need to cut like cut a radio spot. You got to you got to got to cut a radio spot. You got to just use your Leatherman. And there was a couple of guys I knew that had a Leatherman with like, but they had like the belt loop with a Leatherman in it. And I'm just like, yeah, you're never gonna get married or whatever. But like, it's just that was a thing when I was in college. Was like the big things if you're a communication major were a Leatherman. And a black Sharpie. You always had to have a black Sharpie on you. Um, for me, it was always to put notes on my hands to remember to do shit. Because I was so bad about remembering things. And then I'd wash my hand and lose it anyway. But I remember at one point in college, they're like, don't you like have like um, like a notebook or something? I was like, no, I, just, I, I write this on my hand. And I was like, it's a Palm Pilot. And then I, people didn't talk to me ever again. Um, <laughs> Palm pilot. That's a good joke. You should be proud of yourself for that one. I had one. I had a couple. <laughs> no, but the Leatherman was always like it was a, like it was like a Swiss Army knife, but like the American version of it. You know. So yeah, I I, I had a pocket knife, and I don't remember at what age I got it. Um, I feel like it was before my dad passed, which would have been before I was eight when he passed. So I'm gonna guess before that. Um, I I never had a Swiss Army knife, but I do. I do have like fond memories of looking back at it and seeing like, oh, these must be, you know, uh, fond thing or, or having sort of item numbers that like uh, item numbers. Sorry, I'm thinking of work now, <laughs> but but thinking that I had uh, that's a pretty nice skew. I should get one of those. Yeah, you 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 sent me the Leatherman and that popped up and I was looking at like do you see what I'm talking about do you, signal. do you understand like yeah. did you look at this image it's a Leatherman it has everything right um, yeah no, the, it the, seems overpriced for $119 though I'm going to be I'm going to be honest I'm going to pay 20 bucks for that I, I don't I agree with that um, but I also remember the big deal growing up wasn't just like the regular pocket knife it was also the butterfly knife that was a big deal versus like the uh, Swiss Army knife yeah, and I have this like craftsman slash. Well, it is craftsman, but it's it's sort of like a Swiss Army knife, but it's like got a razor blade and a few things. I bought it at like a, uh, like a. It wasn't a Home Depot. It was like a, a a hardware store that was selling like things cheap at one point. Like I think they may have been going out of business. Yeah. I bought it like Homeless Depot for all your stabbing needs. <laughs> I don't know, probably within the last 10 years. I absolutely was in the last 10 years, but I, I bought it and I don't think I've ever really used it, but it sits on my desk. Like it's this thing of, that I have. Well, it's like, Oh, I have this. And we've devolved into a really weird territory. No, now but like, no, but like episode, I don't know how much Dudikoff paid for that utility knife, that Swiss army knife, but I just feel like it was less than what he owed that kid or he I, already I had you it. Mean harmonica. Harmonica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he hands him he hands him a comb with some wax paper he's like just you'll figure it out it's fine like folks i'm not gonna lie to you 
Uh, I had a rough day at work today, <laughs> so I've been drinking this evening. No, there's so many ninjas that happened at work for him today. <laughs> so if you're thinking, Steve seems off today. Yeah, that's because nah, I'm like... Not, not you know, beers in if you guys point. want to hear Steve off, you should go back to our Freddy vs. Yeah. Jason conversation. No um, shit. <laughs> but we're going to leave that alone right now. Um, All right. Anyway, go back to that. That was, that was weird. Uh, but it, no, no. So, so yeah, he gives the kid a Swiss army knife. Come off. Yeah, whatever. I mean, like much like Canon films in the end. Right. So I like, like they're, they're walking down the little stair, like the staircase, whatever, going to the car, like someone at their parties carrying a child over their shoulder. I'm like, are you taking that with you to the airport and leaving? I was confused by all of that. That was weird to me. Um, but no, I just like American Ninja two is a fun film. Um, if, if people just want something to check out and have a, like, just like your brain, just check out like, um, so it's, it's almost borderline Miami connection level ridiculous for me, but it doesn't have, I mean, it's take the movie itself is done. Like seriously, isn't the right thing. It's a Canon film. So seriously, it's like a lowercase S. Uh, Miami Connection was done earnestly, so that's where the joy of that shines through. Like, this was done, and they had fun with it. Dudikoff winks at a girl whose father just killed herself trying to sabotage the island, and somehow she's okay with him. Steve James somehow can't keep uh, his shirt on. Like, it's just, the whole film is ridiculous, um, but it, it's almost, it's almost to the level, like if there was a rock band singing about the power of, um, martial arts, this would be Miami connection for me. I do. I do miss this era of filmmaking. Like I, I think that we romanticize the eighties too much. And yes. I, I, we had this discussion with the, you know, the year of Canon, but I do, I do miss these sort of mid-level movies that it were even low-budget films uh, that were targeted for specific art for specific audiences. Like I feel like something like this right now would be made by like Asylum or somebody, and they would try and do it where they're like, "We well, don't have the money to do it, so we're going to make it terrible and yep. like do it with a wink and hope that you like it." But like they they were generally trying with these movies, and that's part of the fun is that they're you can see that everybody is is you know maybe they're having fun doing it, but they're they're on board with it. They're they know what they're making, and I, I I just I wish we got a little bit more of this. Well, these are all made with the aim of putting it in a theater, which I think is a different yeah. classification than like if Canon would have somehow like managed to get through to the direct to video era. Who knows what horrors they would have made, but. Like their whole goal was like, you got to get this theater guy, get butts in the seats. What can we do? And you might say this is the lowest common denominator. Fine. Like I know, um, when we talked about, um, what was it? Delta force, not Delta force. Uh, was it Delta force with, um, Chuck Norris? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's in Delta force. Yeah. But that wasn't the one. Um, it's him and, um, Oh God. Uh, the older gentleman whose name, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, no, that, we talked about that as well, but there was the other invasion USA. That's oh, what I was thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, like that one, it's like that, you know, that like that was also in for theaters, but it was like bludgeoning you across the head. I know, uh, you know, you and, um, your, your, uh, um, 
your co- your, your uh, partner on the site slasher Ryan Cassandy that came onto that show. Um, you guys have more fun with it than I did. Like I felt like that was bludgeoning me. Like it was okay. It was fun at times, but it got to be a bit much. This feels like you'd go like like it was a hot day outside. We're gonna watch this ninja movie. It's ninety minutes. Get some air conditioning. Have some fun and leave. Um, I don't know if if that's an approachable thing to do at the multiplex anymore. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, I, I do know that spectacle is is what everybody's there for, and you could absolutely make the argument that this is spectacle. But looking back on it, you know, it's 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 certainly it's it's not um, your. You know, I don't know what the what the current day um, counterpart to something like this is, and I'm not putting down John Wick at this point, but I'm like, I'm thinking of action films. Is John Wick like? The counterpart to something like this at this point, like, like I would throw out nobody just because it's a little lower budget and it gets ridiculous in the the, the second mm-hmm. half of that film. Like I'm not going to spoil any of the fun with it. I like the like the action choreography is amazing because again, we're at an age now where you can still you can do that respectably, uh, but some of the turns it takes story wise is ridiculous and it's a fun movie. Uh, and to give away any of like where it goes would be a um, disservice to people who have not seen it, but. Like that, that's kind of where, like, if the, the, the John Wick thing is creating this cottage industry of like well done action sequences with ridiculous story, th- there's some canon DNA in there. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I think that uh, it would be interesting to sit down as sort of a counterpiece to that, you know, Electric Boogaloo documentary and just see, like, you know, how many people still enjoy those movies as far as, like, the people that are making movies now? Like, I I, I can't imagine somebody who's making something along the lines of a John Wick wouldn't be like, yeah, I've got a soft spot for Invasion USA or, um, you know, Avenging Force or any of these movies. Like, I, it, it, it feels like uh, those movies all sort of influence what we're getting today and, and maybe... And I shouldn't say today, but I mean, at least in the action genre, I can't imagine that you'd be somebody who isn't a fan of that genre and wouldn't at least hit upon one canon film. Right. We'll put so, it that way. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think this, uh, I mean, as much as the, the budget fails at times, I think this is actually a perfectly fun sequel. It actually has a bit of a mystery to it, which is, is fun too. I mean, it's, it's kind of threadbare, but at least there's, there's something going on, you know, <laughs> like it gives them a reason to be in motion and, you know, you get through the end and like, it's just, it's just a fun movie. And I had, and, and I enjoyed it. And, um, again, like for where the bar was set with this first film in terms of it being a successful sequel, I, you know, maybe it didn't reach the heights of the first film, but in a way I had a lot more fun with this because they realized that it's like, this is, this is dumb as shit. We're just going to have fun with it. And I did too. Like I, I thought this was a great, a great fun movie to watch. Look, you can spend quite a bit of money and still not hit whatever the mark was on your first film. Like I, and again, I keep going to the big action thrillers of the last, uh, you know, 15 years, but like action thrillers, but action movies like Iron Man, like, you know, the second Iron Man isn't, I, I, in my opinion, doesn't reach the levels that the first Iron Man does. Um, that's not because of a lack of budget. So, like, I feel like the heart is there for American Ninja 2. I feel like the the people behind it want to be there, and I, I feel like they try and, 
you know, uh, accentuate what worked in the first movie. But at the same time, I feel like they fall a little bit short, but it's still fun at the end of the day. We'll yeah. put it that way. So, so yeah, I think that's I think that's going to do it um, for our discussion about American Ninja Two: The Confrontation, which that just feels like that is also the name of like a uh, like it's like, hey Steve, did you go to that workplace meeting about the confrontation? Like, yeah, you know, whatever. We we learned to we we learned to resolve our differences before we got into a ten minute bar fight. You know. I've seen all the videos on the confrontation. <laughs> How about words as opposed to punches first? So, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, you guys can find us on Facebook and Invasion of the Podcast. We have a blog, again, where if you want to go find uh, the, the write-up that was done for uh, the original American Ninja with some really fun gifts, you can check that out at invasionofthepodcast.com or go watch the movie and then read the blog post because I'm sure the movie's more fun than my writing because it's, you know, my writing is, um, I write as well as Michael Dudikoff emotes. That's... <laughs> <laughs> and again, I think that he's I, making a choice like, for that character. I, 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 like, I'll just say, I'll get the point across. It may not always be great. <laughs> but I, yeah. I do think that he's making a choice for that character. And we can talk about that, you know. In, in An avenging force what, coming soon. What you get to uh, Avenging Force or uh, American Ninja 4. Yes. But... Uh, you know, the last thing that I'll say is, is that I, I would be interested. We've talked at some point. We didn't do it for the year of animation. I would like to hit the uh, G.I. Joe animated film. From, oh, let's do it. I think it's the same year. I think it's 87. Maybe it's 88. I could be wrong on that. Um, but I, I would like to, like, talk about G.I. Joe as, like, the, the general conceit that was, you know, the property that was in the 80s. And look at it through the lens of canon. I, I feel like canon was doing sort of G.I. Joe at that time without realizing or they knew it, but they were doing it under their own brand. So I think that, that would be a fun discussion as well. I think there's a lot to what canon became and what it was that is found throughout the rest of pop culture that seeps throughout the rest of the 80s. I agree with so. that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll no, I think that'd be fun to, re, to, to visit that movie. So, so yeah, you guys can find us, um, like I said, Facebook, email us directly at invadingpodcast at uh, gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. And uh, Steve, where can people find you with your non-80s, um, I don't know, Steve James-less uh, stuff that you're doing? Uh, you're pointing out a big detriment to my comic. I should Issue have three James needs Steve character. James to show up. And the slashing <laughs> that happens is his sleeves. That's what needs to happen. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to just create a comic now that's just Steve James versus the Saturday Slasher. And people will be like, he's been going for 30 years. And I'll be like, I don't care. He's don't amazing. care. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same um, bar fight over and over again. I don't care. That's fine. I, I really do think that, like, whatever the image is for this episode, it should just be this. It, should, it literally, instead of the year of the sequel, it should just be Steve James' face. Um, <laughs> No, but like no him and his uh, his marine garb with the cuffs. Oh, absolutely. Just yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm 100 percent on board for that. All okay. right, so you guys can find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram, Motor the Saturday Night Slasher. You can go to our website, which is the Saturday Night Slasher dot com, or you can find us on Etsy and in, uh, I'm sorry, under Etsy under our uh, store, which is the Art of the Slash. There you go. Thanks. So. 
Um, yeah, buy the book um, and watch some American Ninja. Next week, uh, what we're getting into is uh, season two of Love, Death, and Robots that is now on Netflix. Uh, the first season that had came out, which we'd covered previously, was 18 episodes. That was a lot. Um, this one is eight. And and uh, looking at the runtimes, you can get through it in like about two hours or so. So hope you guys join us for that. Um, I think that will give us a little bit more focused conversation about the individual episodes as opposed to 18 of them. Um, yeah. This will be a lot of fun. I've seen a part of them already. I can't wait to uh, talk to Steve about a couple of them. I'm not going to tip my hand. There's some cool stuff in there and some cool art styles. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys will watch that on Netflix and join us for that conversation. In the meantime, have a good week, have a safe week and always, always, always watch out because there could be ninjas. They're everywhere. Ninjas. <laughs>